All right, welcome to the April 24th Lawrence Douglas County Planning Commission meeting. Um, this is a hybrid meeting. I'll turn to Drew to give us uh, the rules of the meeting, please. Good evening. My name is Drew Bilby, planner, and I will be helping to facilitate the Zoom video portion of the meeting. We will work alongside the vice chair to facilitate the meeting proceedings. I have a few housekeeping items for this hybrid meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you are not speaking. The chat function for this meeting has been disabled. All chats will go directly to me. Unless you are participating during the meeting, please turn your video off. This allows the active meeting participants to be seen on screen. You will still be able to hear the meeting. When you are, when you are participating, please turn your video on. If you have any trouble, you can send a chat to me. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. And now I'll turn the meeting back over to Vice Chair Rex Road. Thank you, Drew. Um, first item up, receive or amend um, or approve the action summary of the minutes from the Planning Commission meetings from February 22nd, March 20th, and March 22nd. I have a motion to do that. Moved by Commissioner Dubar. Can I have a second? Mr. Thomas, call the roll, please. Uh, Commissioner Barotto? Uh, yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Duvor? Yes. Commissioner Hayden? Yes. Commissioner Kelso? Yes. Commissioner Munch? <laughs> Commissioner Munch? You can't hear. He's not moving. Oh, there he is. Mm. Uh, Commissioner Rexroad? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion passes 7 to 0. Thank you. Item next, uh, to receive reports from committees that met over the past month. We have two listed. <clears throat> There's a, a third one on uh, the, uh, the WIND ad hoc group that I'll give a little bit of an update on. Um, Lawrence Douglas County Metropolitan Planning Organization Policy Board. Who's here to speak for that? No one? No update? And the Land Development Code Update Steering Committee. Jim, do you have anything you want to add from last well, time? Uh, since our last Planning Commission meeting, there was one meeting, uh, which was supposed to be the first look at some revised code, but instead what we did is we ran through the scenario of it's called meeting in a box on what's going to be taken out in the community uh, to explore various topics for input into update of the actual code language. Uh, the meeting in May, which I can't find at the moment, it's towards the end of May, we hope will be the first time we see some um, new code language focusing on the character of the community of Lawrence, if I remember correctly. Yep. If the uh, meeting's not scheduled yet in May, we still have to get the time or the, the date for that one. But it'll be a look at uh, hopefully module one, which will be the base zoning districts for the city and uh, more or less the preamble, that opening first few kind of bits of the code that, you know, how things are handled, definitions, those things will start kind of coming out and we'll go from there. So should be calendar willing end of May when we hopefully get that on the books for her. 
I hope his one, uh, planning commissioners will watch for that and read through things as they're updated, just to have those in your head uh, before the entire thing comes here eventually. <laughs> and it's not brand new when, you, when it gets here, because that'll be very helpful. We've had multiple occasions when we've had huge code changes that are brand new, and it's, it's hard to do it in a meeting. Yes. So. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Um, I'll give a quick update on um, the uh, wind ad hoc committee. Um, the 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 mem four members, uh, uh, Charlie, Mike, Prasant, and myself, um, named to uh, uh, as a subgroup to go. Um, focus on uh, the wind regs and return back a recommendation. We've organized now. Um, we're meeting on a weekly basis. Um, we meet with staff and we uh, do our primary code read and review at that time. In addition to that, we have um, uh, meetings with um, uh, experts in various fields. So in the, this past um, month, we've met with uh, for example, uh, NextEra had uh, some sound and uh, an environmental scientist in. Uh, we took a little bit of time um, with them. Um, we've met with uh, the community, um, uh, with the Douglas County Rural Preservation Association um, on a couple of different occasions, um, taking feedback, um, helping uh, to explain what the process is and, and uh, uh, the approach that we're taking um, to uh, work on these regs. Um, and in no particular order, um, a couple of us had uh, gone down, Prasant and I had uh, an opportunity to tour an operating wind farm at Prairie Queen down in Allen County. Um, uh, so we took advantage of that opportunity. Um, there's a, a, it's a, it's a very busy group. Um, we're working on this um, literally every day. There's activity that's going on as we work through uh, the body of the code and trying to get at the recommendations we'll ultimately make. Um, coming up is really kind of more of the same. Um, getting at information, getting at experts to help us understand what that code ought to be. So, any, anything you guys want to add to that? Maybe, the, <clears throat> other than we do plan on meeting, if at all possible, with each of the nine townships. Yeah, in, yes. In their location to uh, spread the word. Indeed, thank you, Mike. Thank you. Um, if no other, are, there any, are there any other updates? Uh, yes. This point of order, I think we're having a little bit of audio trouble leaving the room at this point. So if That's we could hold for I'm, a minute. I'm spinning around while I'm talking, I would imagine. Sorry. Oh, no, it, I think the, the Zoom has uh, got a bug we need to iron out real quick. Oh, okay, so hold. If you don't mind for just a minute. Okay, sure. <laughs> well, we have Commissioner Munch. Yes. Our monitors are not on Zoom. Is yeah, that okay? I'll, I'll, I'll load them up as we go. <laughs> so we can go ahead and jump in it? Yes. It'll be, on Zoom, it will be a little muffled, but it looks like it's going to work okay everywhere else for the moment. All right. So whatever gremlin is in the machine is not happy. <clears throat> All right. So back at it. And for you, Jeff. Um, Receive it. Have we received any written communications from the public? All communications were included as part of your packet this evening. And written communications from staff, planning commissioners, or other commissioners? Uh, none this evening. We received any action, waive, written action of any waiver request terminations made by the city engineer? Also none this evening. 
Uh, time for disclosure of any ex parte communications from the commissioners for tonight. Uh, we met with the applicant for agenda item four. Four? Yep. All right. Anyone else? Anything to share in that or? It was just a good visit. Okay. Got a feel for the neighborhood. Very good. Thank you. Same for me. Any, uh, any other ex parte communications? Um, any uh, abstentions tonight for the commissioners? Any declaration of, of abstentions from specific um, items? None? All right, we come to the time of our meeting for general public comment. Um, general public comment is uh, available for anyone who would like to talk about items that are not on tonight's agenda. So if you'd like to, to share any ideas, any thoughts with the Planning Commission um, uh, that's not on those items, now's your time. You'd have three minutes um, each. If you'd like to come to the podium. Don't see anyone. How about online? Oh, oh yeah. Mr. Almond, please. Hi there, good evening commissioners. My name is Michael Hallman. Um, about two years ago on the 25th of August in 2021, staff brought to the commission a text amendment for land, assess land assessment site analysis, no, site assessment, something like that. Land evaluation site assessment. Um, the purpose of this was to be used to evaluate any potential solar projects that might be coming to the county. At the time, uh, the county was anticipating at least five companies. Um, it could be used for other purposes too, but that's why it was brought at that time, uh, at the very same time that a text amendment for the solar regs was brought. At that time, Tonya Voigt, said that staff wants it because they want clear language how Lisa would be a CUP criteria. Mary Miller said that Lisa would be applied to land intensive CUPs. That was why they brought it then and what they anticipated it being used for. Um, Commissioner Greg Shanklin said that Lisa should have been received before the solar text amendment because of the implications of it being used to evaluate solar projects. And um, he also said that it's a tool to help understand how to preserve an inventory of agricultural land. At that time, because of that, uh, all those reasons, the Planning Commission um, appointed an ad hoc committee to evaluate and review the Lisa Text Amendment. On that committee were Karen Willie, the chair, Gregory Shanklin, Sharon Ashworth, and Gary Rexroad. At the very same meeting, the commission appointed an ad hoc committee to evaluate the solar regulations. That was also Karen Willie, also Sharon Ashworth, also Gary Rexroad, and then Jim Carpenter. As far as I know, the Lisa committee has met maybe once, maybe not at all, I don't know. But I find it kind of troubling that 
There was a lot of diligent work put into the solar text amendment, and yet at this date now, two years later, we don't have the Lisa text amendment to evaluate the solar projects. I find that puzzling and, and problematic. So I'd be curious to know what the uh, plan is for that Lisa text amendment. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Ullman. Anyone else in the room has a comment? Looking online, anyone online on Zoom? If you'd raise your hand digitally or physically. I don't see anyone. Drew, anyone? Nope. All right, let's move forward. Um, we'll start into our primary agenda tonight. We have um, four items in front of us. Um, we'll go through the same process with each item. Um, we'll uh, hear first from staff to talk about um, the item and the recommendations that they've made. Um, we'll open the floor to public comment and much like we did in general public comment, there'll be a time limit of three minutes per person to speak. Um, after um, I, let me back up. Staff, applicant will have an opportunity to, to uh, talk through the project, then public comment, and then an applicant will have a few minutes to respond to that, and then once we've um, exhausted all the comments in the room, we'll bring it back to the commission uh, for discussion, and at that time, there won't be any other additional public comment unless one of the commissioners makes a request to hear something further. So with that, um, the first item up tonight is um, with the uh, Lecompton Planning Commission, and we need to take an action to recess into a, uh, a recess from the, the uh, Lawrence Douglas County Planning Commission and reconvene with the Lecompton Planning Commission. Is there anyone from the Lecompton Planning Commission here or online? Do we know if anyone was going to join us? I thought there was maybe one person. We believe we thought maybe one would, but I don't see that individual on the call or in the room. So we just stay convened as a joint group. We don't need to worry about quorum or anything on their side. Or All right. No. They, Very not, good. Not, not in attendance. That's okay. So we're, we are technically in a joint session right now with the Lecompton Planning Commission to consider approving a conditional use permit uh, for limited scale solar energy conversion system located um, at uh, on 12.6 acres on um, the northeast corner intersection of uh, East 400 and North 1700 roads. Uh, Mary Miller is here from staff to talk to us about this item. Good evening, commissioners. I am Mary Miller, a planner, and I will be sharing my screen here in just a moment. And as you mentioned, this is a conditional use permit for a solar energy conversion system. It is within the three miles planning area of Lecompton and uh, we've contacted Lecompton. They thought one planning commissioner may be attending. Um, if they do attend, they can provide comments. They just wouldn't be able to make their own recommendation to the county commission. 
The solar energy conversion being proposed is a limited scale, which means it's less than 20 acres. This is actually about 12.6 acres. It'll be a part of a larger 117 acre parcel in the northeast corner of the intersection of East 400 and North 1700 roads. It is not within the urban growth area of Lawrence, but it is, as I mentioned, within the planning area of Lecompton, which is shown here in blue. The applicant intends to lease the 12.6 acres rather than dividing it from the larger parcel. This is a tilled parcel, except for the center area where there's a stream corridor, kind of a swale. Some of the key points with this application is, of course, that it's limited scale. With the regulations, there are a few changes made to accommodate limited scale solar energy conversion systems. One is they don't have to provide the wildlife friendly fencing due to their smaller size. The thought was that wildlife would just go around the facility and they were not required to provide groundwater testing, but all the other requirements would apply. No battery storage is being proposed for this facility. Uh, rather, the electricity would uh, be transmitted to the transmission lines on East 400 Road down south to the Stoll substation. And this has recently had an approved plan for an expansion. And this facility would be a partnership between Evergy and uh, Free State Electric Cooperative. Uh, this is a plan for the solar energy system. It uh, was included in the packet. It would be an unmanned facility. So when it's up and running, there'd be very little traffic there, just maintenance. Um, most of the traffic would occur when it is under construction. The facility would utilize tracking solar panels, uh, which be arranged as shown, and tracking panels, they just move to track the sun, which is the most efficient type of solar panel. Uh, they would not be more than 15 feet tall when fully extended, so it would be a fairly low-profile use. As this is a tilled field, a tilled field, um, no grading is required except for the gravel staging area and access drive. Uh, the site would be fenced with chain-link fencing with three-strand barbed wire on top for security, and as I mentioned, the limited facilities are not required to have um, wildlife friendly fencing. No lighting is being proposed at the time. The only lighting on site would be when there's nighttime emergency maintenance. Um, however, one of the conditions we're proposing is if they decide to have exterior lighting in the future, that they would have to provide a lighting plan, including the fixtures, so that the lighting could be reviewed to ensure it's not gonna result in offsite glare. And that would have to be submitted and approved before any lighting was added. Um, the most impactful time of this app facility will be the construction time. Uh, they plan it to get it constructed within 10, six months. And um, depending upon the approval time of this CUP, they would like to start in June of 2023 and end in December. And uh, the two primary impacts associated with construction would one be the noise. Um, the, they noted the installation of the H piles would be the loudest part, and that is expected to uh, last for two to three weeks. And H piles are steel beams, I believe they're square in shape, and they're driven into the ground by pile driving equipment, and that driving is what makes the noise with those. To facilitate this construction, as I mentioned, there'll be a, a new distribution line crossing 400 Road to tie into the line that's on the west side of the road. And the other impact associated with construction would be truck traffic. Um, the heaviest truck traffic is expected during the first one to two months, and most of that will be hauling materials to the site. They would have um, standard 18-wheeler trucks. The, the materials hauling in would not require any special permits. 
And then they expect to have about 25 semi-trucks hauling in the materials and between 30 and 35 dump trucks uh, to bring in the gravel uh, for the access drive and the lay down yard here that's being proposed. The um, road and maintenance agreement was provided to the township and they noted that that was acceptable. Evergy indicated they would be responsible for repairing any damage done during construction. Vehicles would access a site, they'd be coming from Topeka on Highway 40 and then would use East 400 Road to access the site. And in their materials, the applicant noted they are proposing off-site signage warning oncoming traffic on a 400 Road of truck traffic. This is not being reviewed or approved with this conditional use permit. Zoning and codes reviews these type of sign applications and a separate sign permit would be required. And I don't know what the um, sign code is for off-site signage. I just want to make it clear that we're not reviewing or approving that with this CUP. And then once construction is done, there would be very limited traffic. So the principal um, impacts would be uh, the additional truck traffic, primarily within the first few months, and the noise of the um, pile driving. They did provide a vegetation plan, which is required. Uh, they noted that it's um, tilled ground now, so the no soil preparation would be required before they apply the uh, seed mix. They expect to have common weeds, which would require some management. They would be applying herbicides, and um, the code does require them to use a ap certified applicator that's certified by the state of Kansas. Uh, they're proposing pollinator seed mixes um, near and under the panels and native seed mixes along the periphery. And then they would manage that with herbicides and mowing. And as far as agrivoltaics, um, they're planting pollinator plantings, perhaps haying, and then um, they're looking into the possibility of future grazing. And that would be able to be accommodated on the site without any changes. So when we look at conditional use permits, we always look at the review criteria. And one of those is, what is the zoning and land use of the area? Is the use being proposed compatible with that? The area is primarily zoned Ag 1 or agricultural. There is some Ag 2 zoning along North 1700 Road. The primary uses are agriculture. Uh, there are detached dwellings in the area. And then we'll, oh, those are primary, and then there's some woodlands. The proposed use would be compatible with the land uses and zoning in the nearby area, given the low impact passive nature of the solar energy conversion system, the minimal traffic generation expected with the use, and the standards that have been established to minimize potential negative impacts. Uh, the next criteria we look at is it compatible or would it maintain the character of the area? And when we look at this, uh, the term area in this review, we usually look at an area about one mile from the subject property. So in this case, we go north to Interstate 70. Uh, we go east to East 550 Road, west to 300 Road, and then south to North 1600 Road. That makes up the boundary of the area. And as you can see, there's residences uh, primarily around the perimeter, but then there are some in the interior roads as well. This is primarily an agricultural area. There are some limited, um, as I mentioned, there's residences. There's some limited non-residential uses. Uh, to the south, we have the substation I mentioned earlier. And to the east, we have the um, Lecompton Fire District building and Township building. And as I mentioned, the proposed solar facility would have a low profile with solar panels being no more than 15 feet tall. In addition, the use is not a traffic or noise generator. 
The solar facility would be a low impact use that should not impact the character of the area. Other criteria that we look at is uh, what is the suitability of the property to the uses to which it's currently restricted? And the property is well suited for agricultural uses and is currently an agricultural use. It is also well suited to the proposed use as it has a very level grade and does not have features that would conflict with the installation of a solar facility, uh, primarily woodlands, wetlands, floodway, or stream corridors. Uh, the impact on the natural environment, there are environmentally sensitive lands on the property, which consist of prime farmland and class two soils. Uh, solar facilities are permitted on these um, features, provided there is not grading of more than 5% of the site area, and the site area is the area under the solar panels. And uh, there is no intention to grade under there and definitely not to exceed the 5%. A cover crop of pollinator or native plants would help to minimize erosion and maintain the health or quality of the soil. Uh, with these factors, the facility is not expected to have any negative impact on the natural environment. Due to the nature of the solar facility uh, use, no impacts to community facilities or utilities have been identified. And as for the transportation network, the township trustee has uh, um, accepted the transportation and road maintenance plan. The zoning regulations allow a maximum time limit of 25 years, and that time limit is being recommended with this um, CUP. And then we look at the compliance with the zoning regulations. Uh, these are all listed. The standards are listed in the appendix to the staff report, and uh, they were all met except that some of the inner and electrical connections are above ground, where the standards require them to be below ground unless the county commission approves a modification. So the proposed recommendations um, conditions note that either the connections would be underground or a modification would be obtained from the county commission. And then we uh, review for compliance at the conference of plan. Chapter two regarding natural resources, <clears throat> uh, some of their action steps. Action step 3.2 was to develop land use regulations and incentives to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. And the zoning regulations were recently revised to add solar energy conversion systems as the use and develop specific standards for the use. And the intent was to allow the use while minimizing negative impacts. And action step 6.1 was primarily related to the urban environment. It says to adopt a climate change adaption and mitigation plan incorporating potential climate change scenarios and identifying specific actions to reduce greenhouse gases risk and exposure to hazards. While this action step is directly geared toward the built and urban environment, replacing the current coal-fired electric plant in Douglas County with electricity from renewable sources would reduce greenhouse gas emissions countywide. This would benefit both the rural and urban environment. And then in chapter three, growth and development, we have a action step to minimize agricultural land conversion to other non-agricultural uses and to maintain working lands and high quality agricultural soils for future generations. With most non-agricultural development, the conversion of agricultural land to another use is non-reversible. Once a change has been made, it's highly unlikely that the land would be returned to agricultural use. However, the standards for the solar energy conversion systems were written with the goal that the facilities could serve as a form of a land bank, and the agricultural land would be maintained either for concurrent agricultural use, such as agrivoltaics, or preserved for future agricultural uses.
and staff recommends, uh, based on the findings of fact and presented in the staff report, uh, to forward the application to the county commission with recommendation for approval and subject to the conditions. And I'm just gonna go over these pretty quickly. They're all listed in the staff report. A 25 year time frame. Condition number two regards buffer vegetation on East 400 Road. Um, we commonly with conditional use permits like to see some buffering from the use and the roadway. There is existing vegetation. So this condition just notes that if that's ever damaged or removed, it would be replaced by the operator. And then the rest of these conditions listed on this page are just some of those conditions in the zoning regulations that are being placed directly on the CUP for emphasis and just to make sure they're complied with. Uh, the signage requirements are noted, the lighting plan. Uh, there is a requirement that the sound level generated by the facility cannot exceed 60 decibels at the property line. And so prior to the certificate of occupancy being released, they would have to have a sound test to ensure that that is met. The next condition had to do with those electrical interconnection lines being underground, and uh, that would either be a revision to the plan or a modification from the county commission. Uh, compliance with local, state, and federal laws, that is a condition that's required in our um, zoning regulations, and also the resolution for the CUP will also require that as a condition of the CUP. And the soil testing, uh, that's one condition we have that we may want to, um, we're looking into that a little closer to see if the location of the soil testing is the appropriate location. Uh, they're recommending an area just west of the solar panels. And so um, we've been contacting experts to find out if that's the correct location or should the soil testing be done directly under the solar, solar panels. So that's a minor change that may occur through the review. And so those conclude the um, conditions. And the applicant is present, I believe, in person, and I'll be happy to answer questions if you have any for me. All right, thank you. Um, Chris Parr, please Is that right? It doesn't have to be Chris, whoever's going to speak for you. And just a, just a reminder to everybody, because of the Zoom audio, you want to speak directly into the microphones as much as possible. Perfect. Very good. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Mary. Uh, that was a, a really good presentation of this project. Uh, can you help me figure out where my PowerPoint is at? I did. It looks like it's right here. Got it. Okay. Perfect. My name is Chris Carey. I'm with PPB Enviro Solutions. We're an environmental consulting firm that Evergy and Free State have brought on to assist them with the, the permitting associated with this limited scale solar project. Mary really did do a great job of explaining this project. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail because I don't want to repeat what she said. I'm going to highlight a few things uh, for your consideration as we move forward tonight. First, I know you guys are currently considering other solar projects in the area. I wanna make it very clear to everybody here that this project isn't related to anything that may be happening off of Highway 24 or in that general area. This is a 
limited scale project associated with Free State that's going to be a distribution scale solar project. That means that the energy developed or generated at this facility is going to tie directly into Free State substation and is going to serve Free State customers right here in our area. So that's an important distinction, uh, one that I'll probably mention a couple times as we move forward, but this really is local energy serving local customers. Uh, Mary did mention that this project is going to install uh, the solar panels on, on H piles. That's going to be the loudest part of this project. That process is going to take three to four weeks. It's going to be divided up, uh, so it's not going to be three to four weeks of constant driving of these piles. It's going to be you know, a week and a half. Our contractor is going to demobilize and then probably come back a, a week later to, to finish up. This is the location here. You can see our, our project area is the uh, the red outline, and then we're tying in by a uh, tying into the distribution line that ties into the Stoll substation. Again, here is a racking detail of showing what the array is going to be. It is going to track uh, through the course of the day, and this is going to be the control panel that's located in the north uh, central part of the site. Uh, that's up in this general area up here. This is what the facility looks like or the property looks like today. You can see Mary mentioned the vegetation that's along 400 Road. Uh, that's going to stay as much as possible. And then, as, as she also mentioned, it's a flat agricultural field. So really ideally suited to what we're trying to accomplish here. Uh, and again, we went through the golden factors here. Uh, I think I think Mary covered that in detail, so I don't need to, to repeat that for you guys this evening. This is a similar project. This is in a more of an urban setting, but this is a similar project of what folks can expect this to look like. Uh, here you see these panels are fixed panels. They're not the, the rotating uh, tracking panels, but uh, you know it's vegetated. There's a fence. Our fence is going to be chain link with barbed wire. Uh, this this obviously doesn't have, have barbed wire here, uh, but this is generally what we're going to be looking at. And then there are a few things that were brought up in the staff uh, recommendations that I wanted to go through. Uh, first, the CUP length. Uh, your regulations very clearly set out uh, that CUPs for solar projects are approved for 25 years. We are asking you guys to consider a variance to allow this to extend to 35 years. The contracts we have in place with the landowner uh, is a 25-year contract with two five-year options, and our, our, solar, our solar panels and our system is designed to last at least 35 years. So, so we're asking consideration of a variance to extend that approval period to 35 years without having to come back before the commission for a new CUP. Second, um, Evergy and Free State are happy to provide whatever training local emergency responders want uh, related to this facility. But this is a small facility. This is a 12-acre facility. It's not a 1,200-acre facility. So annual training may be excessive and may not be warranted here. So what we would propose is that instead of uh, adhering to a, a stipulated annual training requirement, that Evergy and Free State work with the local emergency responders to come up with a game plan for training that makes sense for them and for this facility. The 
The third item we want to bring up is is the request for all of the uh, all the lines on the property to be installed underground. The only above ground power line is the generator tie-in. Uh, and per the zoning regulations for solar farms, those are exempt from the requirement to be installed below ground. So what I provided here is an excerpt from section O of your zoning regulations. This is section 12306 49.050. Uh, and you can see here that all, all of the lines are supposed to be underground except for the generation tie-in lines from the project to the utility substation. And those are allowed to be above ground. I'm going to scroll back here a few slides. And you can see here, this power line right here is the only above ground electric line. And that comes straight out of the, straight out of the solar farm, uh, is the generator tie-in over to the distribution lines that are going to take it to the solar farm. Uh, and in addition to those being exempted, it really does make the project a lot easier to install, to construct, to maintain uh, in the long term if we are able to install those above ground. And then finally, the, the fourth thing that we'd like to bring up is the idea of compliance reviews. Uh, the, the current staff recommendations call for a compliance review one year after the certificate of occupancy and then every five years thereafter over the term of the CUP. Uh, it makes sense. Uh, we're, we're comfortable with the idea of these types of reviews, but given the limited scale of this project, uh, we have some concerns with some of the language that deal with third-party reviews and the costs that may be associated with those. Uh, the, the staff recommends that, that these assessments can either be done by the staff or by third-party contractors with the cost for those reviews to be performed by or to be paid by the operator. Uh, in a larger scale situation, that may make that might make sense, but in this case, considering the the requirements are fairly straightforward, we'd request the ability for Evergy and Free State to either self-certify that we're complying with the requirements of the regulations, or for uh, county staff to to take care of those reviews in-house, or for at at the very least for us to reach an agreement on what the reasonable cost is for those third-party reviews. So with that. Um, I will open myself up for questions. All right. Thank you, sir. Well, don't go far. We'll come back to you. <clears throat> thank you. Um, like to open the floor to public comment. Um, public comment um, uh, be limited to three minutes per speaker. If you would please come to the podium when you're ready, state your name and share your thoughts. We'll look both in the room and online as we go. Is there anyone? In the room that'd like to start? Hi there. Hi. My name is Barry Aronson and I live in the area less than half a mile from this project. And listening to both Mary and Chris, what I'm missing is the consideration for the residents of the area. We've lived there 10 years. I know we need solar. But from this point on, all I've seen is cows and tractors. Now I've got something that's 15 feet tall. I'd love to see a little bit more berming, something that hides this tracking type device. And also, what's it gonna do to our values over the next decades? We've been here 10 years. 
as farm, as residential, it's simple. Now we have more commercial within the area. We're somewhat bracketed. We have high tension wires that are gonna be altered because of the Panasonic plant that are just in back of our property. You've got a regular substation, well taken care of, and now you have this particular um, piece that might go in a half a mile from us. So I'd like more consideration for the people that live in the area. I'm not seeing a lot of this at all within what Mary gave, what Chris gave, nothing about the residents, how it will affect us. Need some help. Thank you, Barry. Anyone else in the room? Look online. Anyone online that cares to speak? I don't see anyone. Anyone else in the room? Mr. Allman? Hello again, Michael Allman with Sustainability Action Network. Um, if you've read our agenda item report, um, you know that we support this CUP. Um, we are kind of concerned about the soil on the site. Um, if this were a, a considerably larger project, we probably wouldn't look at it favorably, but this is only 12.6 acres, and it appears to us that about four or five acres our capability to soil, which is maybe 25% of the site. 25% of a larger site would be very troubling in our estimation, but we, um, we recommend that it be approved uh, with the condition that the operator continues to be free state co-op through the duration of the permit, but if they, for whatever reason, may be dissolved, that uh, require that the operations be transferred to another local self-governed cooperative legal entity. Other than that, we think it's a good project. Um, like I mentioned earlier this evening, though, we are concerned that you're somewhat handicapped in evaluating the soil on this site because you do not have the LISA tool at your disposal now. Um, fortunately, this is, like I said earlier, a smaller project. Um, the implications aren't as severe as it would be if it were a larger project. But um, right now, basically the only data points that we can think of are that on the soils is that it's a small project. Um, the quantity of one and two soils is, is very small. And you have web soil survey soil type numbers listing their general um, ca uh, capabilities, but that's about it. So we, um, we're supporting the application, given that caveat. Um, we can't discern at this point the physical movement of those, that electricity. Uh, we see this as a potentially, it seems to be a community solar project, and that's why we're favorable to it. 
It's self-governed, self-operated by Free State, although it is owned by Evergy. Um, but we are very favorable to community solar as opposed to utility-scale solar. So that's basically the reason why we support this. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Allman. Anyone else in the room care to speak? Good evening, Commissioners. My name is Chris Parr. I'm the Chief Executive Officer at Free State Electric. Hey, Chris, so you're you're with the applicant, correct? I am. All right. So I'm going to ask right now. We're just we're taking general public comment, okay. or, or public comment specific to this. You'll have an opportunity to come back up uh, before we bring it back to the commission. Okay. Sorry for that. No, no. Thank you. Thank you for understanding. Anyone else from the public cares to speak to this tonight? Anyone else online? I don't see anyone. Drew, do you? Nope. All right. Well, I chased you off too soon. <laughs> You're next up. Sorry about that, Chris. Thank you, Commissioners. I just, I'll, I'll be brief, but uh, just a couple things about why this project is important to Free State and our members. Um, we serve 1,362 meters and service points off of Stoll substation. And uh, like Chris said, this is a local distribution project that brings that power local to our members. Um, it is a community scale solar project tied into distribution level. Um, a, 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 just to give you perspective on what this site can do from a savings per, uh, perspective, so uh, we have an all requirements wholesale power contract with Evergy to purchase the energy, but so we are entering into a purchase power agreement with Evergy, um, and we can actually purchase this energy at about half the cost of what I pay for solar. So. Um, uh, given demand and the weather, uh, you're looking at north of $170,000 of energy savings annually. Um, so when we talked a little bit about the CUP length, uh, working with the local landowner uh, with on our lease, um, you know we are hoping to uh, get beyond that 25-year mark. And what that does is it brings our overall levelized costs down, and it optimizes that. And the the life of these assets, some of these assets only last. Um, you know, like the inverters would last only 15 years. So after 15 years, we're gonna replace those components. And so that, that asset life is gonna go beyond that 25 year mark. So that was kind of a key point. The lease is, is a key point of it to, to maximize that lease with the landowner. Um, and then the life of the assets to maximize the overall cost uh, of the site. Um, couple other, the, the, the other uh, things on the overhead um, to underground, I think we're all aware of all the supply chain issues that are going on out in the industry right now, or, or you should be aware. Um, overhead components are, are much easier to get a hold of, but more effectively, being a member-owned electric cooperative, affordability and cost is really important to us. And when you're looking at pad mount transverses, uh, uh, transformers versus uh, overhead transformers, you're, you're looking at doubling the cost of, of these assets out there. Uh, if you have to do a pad mount recloser to tie that in what, what Chris was showing you, that, that distribution tie into our three-phase system to get it back to our stole sub, you're looking at just a few overhead poles and some conductor there to get into that three-phase. Uh, so just a, a small amount of assets, but that keeps that cost down for our members. So that, that was uh, just a real important Point, uh, point and again on the compliance reviews. Um, we so this will be um, 
uh, we are limited on how much solar we can install uh, based on our power contracts. So this is our third site in our West District. Uh, we have five. This will this will be the the fifth and final site for us. Uh, we have two in, in on the on our East District side, but so we'll have about just under five megawatts of solar uh, generation installed. And we've worked with local fire departments, EMT. We've done trainings and things like that. Um, and so we're happy to continue to do that because safety is is utmost important. Uh, so I just would appreciate your consideration on that requirement as well. So, thank you, Chris. Thank you. And with that, it comes back to the commission. Are there any comments? Well, let me just maybe make a, a, a comment. I guess this represents, I think, the first application for a commercial solar project since the uh, regulations were rewritten and adopted as, as our code. Um, it's a conditional use permit. Um, there's nine criteria that are out there that uh, are part of our, our packet and that Mary has gone through. Um, not limited to it, but certainly we need to consider all of those as part of the decision. Um, so with that, is there anyone that uh, would like to get started? To, to just respond to the um, to the neighbor, has the applicant made an effort to reach out to neighbors within a reasonable distance of the proposed site, like a public meeting or some such? We did. Uh, we we sent uh, we sent letters out to uh, area residents to inform them of the project and provided opportunities for people to reach out and get more information if they had questions. But no public meeting. Did we did not have a public meeting. Okay. We didn't, honestly, uh, unless uh, someone tells me any different. We didn't have anyone respond to any of our outreach efforts. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I think I have a question being new. I mean, I'm like relatively new on the planning commission. Um, and since this, I wasn't here when you did the solar regulations and had that conversation, but since this is the first project of that sort, I'm very interested actually in the history of why the solar regs were completed, but not the LESA. Um, and just looking around a little bit on what that is and how that would help. Um, being a representative of the county, I think that's really important, and it sounds like that's where we would evaluate, not necessarily in like a small um, project as this, but um, other really important factors. So why was that stalled and the regs gone through, and now that we have our first project in front of us, like how do we handle that disconnect, yeah. or how should I, as someone <clears throat> who doesn't know that history, handle that disconnect? I can being on that committee i think i'm the only one here that was on that was that You're the only one here yeah only one here sharon uh <coughs> sharon was there and karen and greg of course are, are off um so those items did come up i think it was in the same meeting actually when both of those items were um brought forward um and the concept of the LESA tool um, was offered as something for us to evaluate, to consider if we wanted to invest in development of and, and to bring it into some degree of use for um, evaluating land on any number of applications, not just a solar project. And it wasn't, they came at the same time, probably brought with, with you know, that idea in mind, but um, there was never a condition. It wasn't tied to, it wasn't stalled or delayed. We met oh I don't know two or three times it's been almost two years ago now we met two or three times 
um, worked through the data and came up with, with, with some preliminary conclusions on, on the quality of the data that was in the system, the amount of effort that it would take to maintain the data that was in the system as, th as things would change, and ultimately decided to um, stop pressing forward on that hold it for a different time, which we just haven't come back to yet, just because of all the complexity of it. And at that time, a general sense that we were unsure of its, of its value in helping us to really precisely make a land use quality assessment. Now, in fact, we just, just uh, in uh, last week in prep for this meeting, we are talking about future items. This was brought back up again, that it's, it's an open switch that we do need to close, but in no way was it set aside for any other reason than it was um, uh, the amount of work it would, we judged that it would take to make this thing a productive tool outweighed the other work that we had in front of us at the time. Yeah, I, and I, I don't mean to imply that it was some nefarious reason by any means at all. It just certainly seems like that would be a good tool for what is now before us. And now here we are being asked to make um, really important long-term um, decisions on some yeah. pretty large-scale stuff. And so that so, just seems so, like something that would be sure. worth um, so let me add, let hearing me add, from staff about or yeah. figuring out if it is something that is a, yeah. something that would be helpful. Yeah. As so we, I'll certainly, I'll yield to staff. Look, as I, before I do that, let me share with you that the, 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 the components or the inputs to that are class of soil in various places, and then it, it provides an aggregate of what that looks like. In this particular case, we've got a, a, a very small known piece, the less the system itself wouldn't add or take away from any of what we know about that one. The second thing I'd, I'd offer is that um, the direction that we went with the regs for solar was to assure that regardless the class of soil that was at the site, that it was that the work was done in a way that would not degrade or harm the soil. Um, we insisted on pilings. We insisted on no grading. We insisted on the right types of vegetation and the right makeup of the of the panels themselves. All of that's inside of the regs today, so that the quality of the soil and what it might be on was. It was not about losing that soil because it because at the time of decommission that soil was banked um, at or some would say even improved at the opportunity to improve conditions over the years. So with that, I'll stop on that. That was the that was the logic behind the work in solar and has how it connected to Lessa. Okay, great. I don't know if anybody. <coughs> we had a discussion about should we wait for the Lisa tool to complete the solar and the decision was no not to wait for it uh, because in looking at what areas were most likely going to be proposed the vast majority were going to be flat class one and two soils we already knew they were going to be the best farmland which is why uh, we just set that aside to see if partly because it looked like it was going to be maintaining a database that was going to be nearly impossible to maintain when you came down to the small units that had to be looked at if you had a very large-scale project. It, it just seemed 
a little bit redundant, which is why we focused on, we have the maximum height of 15 feet. However, the county commission has the ability to give a variance for certain to keep them flat. So this was to minimize the grading. So if you've got swales, if you've got dips in the land, you can raise certain panels to be even with the rest of the, the line within so much. The county commission has discretion up to a certain amount. Um, why there were going to be driven pylons, which we realized was going to be a lot of noise at the beginning, but it was going to cause the least amount of disturbance to the ag soil. Why we insisted on the agrovoltaic component. In this case, it looks like mostly wildflowers for pollinators, which could open up the ability for apiaries possibility in the future for some grazing but this site's too small really for grazing but it's not too small for apiaries so um or getting some native plants out there growing will it serve as a carbon sink during the duration of it so we might actually create better soil um there's other matters about the duration of the COP I'll get to later. Um, but these are all the things that we looked at and we decided Lisa wasn't really going to benefit as much because we put in all these other protections trying to protect the quality of the soil for the future. That's going to be a huge problem when it comes to looking at wind turbines because of what has to happen. So that's something the commission is going to have to really look at hard in comparing these two types of renewable energy sources and their impact on the ag lands. Lisa might turn out to be more important when it comes to wind turbines than it is for our particular solar regs, but we did have a lot of discussion about this. And, you know, this was all subcommittee work and before you were here, so <laughs> happy to explain it while we can still explain what happened. But um, we did turn, that's the, why we aren't allowing grading beyond a certain amount. Why we're, they're staying off of steep slopes. We're pulling them back from floodways. Unless you provide the wildlife corridor along the floodway, there's all kinds of protections in there for the current land quality and the potential to return that to possibly even more productive land if solar is a, um, a technology that goes out of vogue and leaves, so. Great, and not that it has to do with this, but wind was also something that was in my mind. Just having he heard about this, look looked at this, mm -hmm. it was also like the idea of what does that mean, not just for what we're currently looking at, but. Right. So all those that Mary listed as our conditions, every one of those represented at least one meeting of the subgroup and probably meeting with representatives from various constituency groups and multiple drafts until we came up with what we have before us. As yeah. uh, Commissioner Rexer had said, this is the, the first one of any sort to make use of these regulations. So we're gonna see where the rubber hits the road and where there might be some potential issues that might prompt possible future amendments for the various scales and everything else. So it's gonna be a very interesting project to watch. Thank you. Great question. Anything else right now? Not at the moment, no. All right. Uh, I have a question. Pedro. Yes. Yes, sir. Thank you. I have a question for staff. Um, <clears throat> basically, I wanna focus on the, 
the applicant that mentioned that uh, he has no plans to install uh, battery storage. But all the way from June to December, if the applicant changes its mind and says, hey, you know what, I do need batteries here, how, will the applicant be allowed to do that first? And second, if the applicant is allowed to do it, how would that play out with the 60 decibel uh, limit for the noise level? Will the city allow them for that level to be higher or will it remain the same? Uh, I believe your question was, could they add a battery storage to the CUP later if they decided to? And if so, how would it affect the decibel level? That decibel level is set regardless of what's on the site. So they couldn't exceed it even if they had battery storage. Battery storage would require a revision. And I believe it would probably be a revised CUP. They're not actually changing the use from the solar energy conversion, but we have a lot of standards in the CUP use directly for battery storage. And so since that's a very major change, it uh, I believe it would take a revised conditional use permit. Some changes could be done with a site plan, which go to the county commission rather than to the planning commission first. So uh, I think this would come to the level that it would just have to be a revised CUP because it's being portrayed as not having battery storage. And that's a pretty big component of these facilities. Thank you so much. Mary, we have a whole section in the solar code. Address storage, correct? Yes, we do. We have a lot of standards for batteries. And so, so if, if the changes would occur, those standards would apply regardless of how it was processed. But I think it would be a major enough change. It probably would take an amendment to the CP. Yeah, I would, I would just add, <clears throat> I'm thinking ahead to whatever, you know, information we telegraph to the county commission that, you know, having been on the subcommittee, I would see that as a major change since it's not requested in the current CUP, and that is a big change because that's additional fire safety training. I mean, everything that we have listed for that and different governmental reviews, it's all kinds of things that come into play. So I preliminarily, <laughs> I think that would be a major change that would require a brand new CUP. Not agree. <clears throat> Any other questions? I've got one, I'll jump in here, um, a couple maybe. Um, think about how you prep the site, uh, walking the site for the applicant, walking the site um, this weekend. Um, uh, it seemed clear that there was some significant drainage and erosion that uh, had, a, had occurred, and you look at the maps, it looks like that's a common thing. I'm curious um, how you plan to manage erosion in that area once um, the site's set up. Um, then uh, keep come on up, please. And uh, while you're coming, the second question I'd like you to get at is, you know, there's a restriction on grading. Um, that restriction on grading to 5% of the site area is a part of our commitment to maintain the, the soils as is. How will you work with the uh, terracing right. that exists out there? So to get to your first question, uh, as part of our planting process, uh, you know, we've already developed an erosion and sediment control plan uh, that'll be put into place. Uh, like Mary mentioned, we don't need to file a notice of intent for stormwater discharge because we don't have more than an acre of land disturbance. 
Uh, so as part of our plantings, as part of our construction process, we're gonna implement appropriate uh, stormwater BMPs to make sure that we don't have that continued erosion. Uh, we don't want that any more than you guys do. Uh, I'm sorry, your second question, repeat one more time. Uh, we have a commitment to, to maintaining the soils, and part of that is in limiting the amount of surface that can be graded. Um, uh, given there's a, a, a can't be more than 5% of a site area, how do, you, how do you plan to manage working with the terraces that are um, yeah, out there on that field? I don't anticipate that being an issue. Uh, I know that's something that's been looked at uh, through our engineering process, and I just I don't anticipate that that's being an issue uh, as we move forward. When you say it's not an issue, does that mean that you you leave them in place and you just work with the, the natural terrain? All right, thank you. Anything else? Can I ask a follow-up, Gary? Please. So as far as uh, your planting of pollinators, do you guys have experience at other sites doing this? I mean, is it like what is, what's been your experience with maybe a similar site where you have this kind of a an erosion prevention measure, does it work well? I mean, I think you, you saw the photos in my presentation from the Baldwin City yeah. uh, site, and that one has obviously taken taken hold fairly well. Sim it's a similar similar thing there as far as you have pollinators? Yeah. Right. I see. Great. Um, I think this is a question for staff, but maybe hang around. Uh, hey, Mary, um, thinking about the bonding that's in place, that's, uh, that's called out here, there's a specific number that's named um, in this CUP request. Um, how is that number, not just how is it determined now, but um, what remedy does the county have should we get you know, X decades down the road and the cost of reclamation has changed? How do we assure that we've got the right bonded amount out well, the there? County, the county will contract with an independent third party for estimated decommissioning and reclamation costs at the applicant's expense. So while the applicant provided their estimate, the county will contract with someone to get theirs. And it will include a mechanism for adjustment over the life of the project. It will be adjusted for inflation annually and then um, every five years they will engage a qualified individual to recalculate the estimated cost of decommissioning and then every year for the final five years of the cup so they do there'll be a lot of oversight and review of this bond amount okay mary thank you i've got a couple other questions is it okay i'll wait oh, go ahead go ahead please it may be the same thing um the, the applicant had requested uh four different changes to the CUP, which, Mary, I am assuming those are not in our purview to uh, consider, right? They, you know, as far as the extension of the CUP, the uh, training requirement, the above ground, and uh, the review feature, are those things that we can even consider today? Or, you know, is that, what, any thoughts on that? Some of those are, you know, the, um the regulations, they set out modifications the county commission can approve, but they're pretty limited. And the time limit isn't one of those. You know, they could request that, and we'd have to talk to the county counselor. Since it's not listed as a modification, I don't think that they could approve it, but I would check with the county counselor on that. As far as having a more relaxed training schedule, uh, they could actually work that out with the fire district and the emergency personnel. You know, 
I'll then meet with them and see what level of training they want annually. And we don't have to actually write that into the regulations. Uh, the third one about the overhead connection lines, that may have been my error in not understanding exactly what their lines were, that it was a generation tie-in. But it sounds like that is able to be overhead, so that condition could be removed. And the fact that they would like to have staff reviews rather than third-party reviews, that does make sense since it's a smaller project. The third-party review, I think, was put in place primarily for fear of the amount of work that would be involved for staff to review maybe an 800-acre facility. But a 12-acre facility, I think staff would be able to do those reviews. So if you wanted to um, suggest a condition that the reviews would be conducted by staff rather than having a third party, I mean, both options are available, so you could recommend that staff review them. So the third and fourth condition, you know, you could definitely make those changes. So, Commissioner Duver, when we get to it, I'll, I'll step through each one of those, and we'll have an opportunity to discuss and decide if we want to add or change language. Is that okay? Sounds good. It goes to it. Okay. Anyone else down here that wants to jump in? Um, a couple more questions. Um, uh, the uh, reg calls for 60 dB, I think, A, at the property line. What's the source of sound from that farm, and what is the true so reading at the, the property line? The, the loudest equipment on the side is going to be the inverters. And if you remember, the inverters were located kind of in the central part of the site on the north side, quite a ways back from the road. And those emit uh, 69 decibels. What was the number? 69. 69? Yes. Okay. So that's quite a ways away from the road. We don't anticipate any issues at all uh, meeting the 60 decibel threshold. And that's probably why that's where the, the, the transmission line connects from the inverter, where you want that to be above ground. Okay, gotcha. Can I follow up on that? Please. I have a really dumb question because I know nothing about sound. I'm assuming that that's total, meaning like um, collectively if there are a bunch of them and they're all at a certain decimal and they don't create a louder sound than that, but like the entire sound being admitted from whatever is going is is the 69. Does that make sense? Like versus... In the way... Is that... Does my question make sense? Is it cumulative? Is it a cumulative 69, um, or is it like each one is um, um, has that decibel? So each, and then you... each one is, is 69 decibels, okay. uh, and we're going to have 10. And so then collectively, so collectively, all 10 together, what would that be? Well, at, at the actual inverter, it'd be 10 times 69, so 690. Right. Okay. Uh, we don't anticipate that that's going to be an issue, even with that number. At the at the fence line. Okay, so because of how far removed it will be, it will then dissipate. By and, and that's something like like Mary mentioned that we'll have to we'll have to demonstrate. I just wasn't sure how that worked. Thank you. <laughs> Other questions? Any concerns? Any any questions around the criteria that we want to that anyone wants to question, talk through, or any other topic? I just want to mention uh, the public comment talked about possible embankments as screening. We did have a discussion about that, which all would require additional <laughs> grading, and that's what we were trying not to have. Um, 
So instead what happens with conditional permits because of the public notice is individuals that um, think that there's going to be an impact on our property by site, they need, can contact staff and work with staff and the applicant on appropriate screening if that's necessary and that's something that would be added later. Um, but we kind of ruled against embankments because of the grading at the beginning which is why they're not required in the code. Um, um, specifically back to that grading issue to minimize the amount of disruption of the actual soils. So um, that is something that if it is a concern, please contact Mary and with the concerns and they can have a look at that particular line of sight and see if there's something that might end up being required. And any requests for grading above the 5%, how, how would that be handled? Who does that go to? And what what is kind of the assurance that those regulations um, that are trying to take that into consideration are actually followed? The request in the code, and I'm, Mary will correct me, but I was there. So that would be a request made to the county commission for a variance which mm -hmm. the county commission would have the opportunity to send it to the planning commission for public input and review and recommendation or make a decision on their own depending on what's involved and it would be a public process it would be a public process and a plan submitted ahead of time i i, I just frankly I, i'm concerned about making sure that we follow up and that people are compliant with that plan because once it's done it's done you can't undo it but. right and i would say that's my biggest um concern about this particular project um i think it i'm excited to see the um uh, especially the local aspect of it and bringing it back to local customers that's like fantastic i'm excited about that but i'm just a little worried about the the class one and class two soils but it does sound like it's such a small amount and there are protections built in i just i'm still trying to wrap my head around how we make sure that those protections um stay in effect i'm excited to see that was from beginning to end that will visit at the review periods yeah that's why we have the review periods yeah. <clears throat> um if there are any other questions about, so what I do now is let's step through these four requests that were made. Hang on. Hang on. Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. Yeah. But Mike. I don't want to sit up here and, and, and correct you, but 10 devices at 69 decibels each is not 690 decibels because 690 decibels would pretty much like bring the building down here because a jet engine is 120. So yeah, I, I think right what you're saying is there a 10 at 69 is still 69. Yeah, that's that's my bad. Okay. I'm obviously right. not. I, I just I just wanted to make sure of that. My apologies. Based based on the sound engineers yeah. that we've been talking to about yeah. wind, I just wanted to make sure of that. Okay, got that as well. Okay. Okay, so then I had another question. Um, I, I noticed further on in the agenda, um, we had a CUP, and a part of it was actually that it goes with the um, ownership of the property, if I remember if I remember that correctly as I was reading through that. And I was always under the impression that the whole point of it, like the, it, many of the issues that we have with CUPs when they come through is that they run with the land, and that even if someone else were to to purchase the land, the CUP is still good for the chunk of time. So I had some questions about that, and then particularly with some comments that went on today about um, 
the request that perhaps we make sure that it stays local solar. Um, so I just know if that staff could speak to that or if people who have more experience with CUPs, but I didn't even know that was a really an option until I read further on into the agenda. And I'm just I'm just really curious about that since the wonderful thing about this, this um, is the local asset for me anyways, is the local aspect of renewable energy. So I'm not sure who that's directed to, but I'd your, love to know your, more your about question that. I think Mary can do that because there's a code section regarding that. Yeah, um, I'd be happy to answer that. Uh, when the uh, regulations are designed, there's a special provision that states if the operator changes, that it has to go back to the county commission so they can review the new operator, make sure they have the finances and the reputation, the experience to do the job. So uh, there is a provision, it doesn't state that you know the CUP dies if the operator changes, but that the new operator has to be reviewed and approved. So they just it just can't change to anyone. And I don't think the focus is trying to keep the electricity in a certain location, but just to make sure we have a good qualified operator. I just add these regulations were written to kind of set them apart from the uh, all other CUP process by having its own definition section and referring back and to review patterns with the county commission and what they could do and not do. Um, and that was one of the specific things that's in this type of CUP and I anticipate it will also remain or be, be part of the wind turbine discussion that it would also review transfer of ownership Following because of the because of the size, scope, and impact of these projects separated them from anything else. Yeah, and so while we're on that, I think one of the conditions, I think, I don't remember which number it was now, but I was actually confused the way that it was written. Is it approval, the county commission approves it, or is it that they get notice of it? Because getting notice of something, reviewing something is very different than approving something, and it, the language of one of the conditions actually confused me as to which that was. So um, that actually, that would be helpful. Is it review, Jim, or approve? I think Mary's looking up the language. Okay, <laughs> great. And just a reminder for the commission to May speak into the microphone because we are having issues on Zoom. I think that's on number 13. I just... And the language is may approve. Let's see. You're going to try yeah. And number 13, specifically the second paragraph. Does that answer the question? Well, I, I guess if the regulation answers it. So this is where I was confused before we were talking about the actual, because it says that they will, um, it will, they will notify them, um, and then it says that they may approve. And so I was just wondering, is there language somewhere that says there is an approval process? Or yeah. may they approve it, or may they and not? It's, Sorry, it's the lawyer. Yes. No, no, no. <laughs> no, that's the operative word, may. It doesn't say they shall approve it upon notice. It says right. they may, because okay. they, they have to review it and make a decision. And I guess Mary might find the actual <laughs> code section for that, but she did mention the various um, elements of that that they are, we would hope they would take into consideration as they consider it. 
I think your concern is that it would somehow casually transfer without a specific approval being made. Yes, or or, or and I, I can tell you that everything that we've done, our intention was that a specific we'll, approval be we'll, made. Will trigger a public. It will be on an agenda for public comment. Okay. Just about any change will trigger that. Yeah. Just. Yeah, and Commissioner, I did find that finally the section of the code, it says the Board of County Commissioners may approve the transfer operator if they find they have demonstrated their ability to conform to all applicable performance standards detailed in these regulations, as well as all other local, state, and federal laws. So they may approve it. They don't have to. If they find they don't comply, they would not approve it. So but they, do, before it can change, the County Commission does have to approve it. But they do have to make specific findings before they yeah. make a final decision and if they don't approve it then the CUP is no longer valid oh it's still valid with the current operator right just not the right, a right. future one okay all right Thank questions you. <laughs> good for the moment <laughs> this is a lot this is a lot it is it is oh this is right. good this is the first time yeah. so and there are a couple more possibly in the pipeline so it's important to ask them all and I'm not trying to race past, so you stop, you come back anytime you want. Um, what I thought we might do is step through the four requests that were made um, by the applicant and uh, see if there's uh, any concern about those or if we want to propose any um, changes to the language. The first request that was made was for a change in the duration from 25 to 35 years. Mary's comment on that was that um, we don't have language in the the regulations that provide for that so I'm not sure that we can on this body offer it I, I do have one question though I'd like to just for the for the record for County Commission as they might be hearing it you'd made a comment about wanting that change because it how it affects your cost model how does that then translate to uh, your consumers the people out there that are paying you free state bill I'll let Chris handle that. One of the benefits maybe of a local right. source is, does that really, does that lower Charlie's light bill? Uh, absolutely. So um, basically, I, I don't have the exact figures in front of me, but over that 35 life, so that uh, there's O&M components to the project. So as, as things are added or, or changed and work's being done, there's a, there's a cost to that. So that price per kilowatt hour that I'm purchasing that energy uh, starts a little higher and then it, and it trends down over the life of that. And so what that does from a rate perspective is if there's any delta for the, for the cost that I'm buying that wholesale power, if there's a difference there, that's going to be a less difference that I can keep back for our members. So there will be a direct rate impact on that cost of the energy uh, there. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I wish that that was something that we had the opportunity to discuss as an option. Um, uh, I, we've, we designed this, these regulations with multiple decades in mind and whether it's 25 or 35, that same rigor throughout time remains. So the, I, my sense is that the risk to the county is low. The opportunity for benefit for residents is present. So uh, that's something that I think you're going to need to bring to the Board of County Commissioners in a request. Thank you, sir. All right. The second item that you had was a change in the training requirements um, to be, uh, what I might note says to be less intensive, and I think your point was that the, the way we'd written regulations was on a thousand acre scale, and this being 12.7, that um, something less than that would be in order. 
Yes, so um, like I say, we, we have two sites in Shawnee County, one in Jefferson County and one in Leavenworth County. Uh, we work uh, and those those sites are our most recent sites are in Shawnee County, and so we've we've scheduled uh, training with the local EMT and fire um, to to come out and just see, you know what. Uh, how to adequately, you know, obviously we're we're gonna, as the line utility, we're gonna disconnect that that generator system, uh, so that it's it's completely dead. Uh, but if there's a fire out there, how, what are the safety risks? What 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 training programs? What do they require as they bring new uh, employees in into the system? How do, how do we keep them up to date on that? And so we we meet with them regularly um, on a regular basis, anyhow. So. Uh, we're, we're just op just looking to some some uh, maybe annual might be ex extent extensive it might be hey we'll meet with if they ask and they call us we'll come out actually at any time but it, it you know a couple maybe make it a couple years um, something like that so your specific suggestion would be to strike annual and replace it with on demand or, or as needed yeah all right so to the commissioners, I'm, I'm just going to say annual was put in there at the specific request of the fire chiefs and Douglas County Emergency Management. Whether they want to say we don't need it this year or not, I think Marion implied that that is well within their authority. We don't need training this year. We have it. You don't have a huge one. They're probably going to want to come out there at least once. <laughs> Sure. It's a new yeah. thing here, but they may not have to come out as often as if you had battery storage or multiple transformers or things like that. Um, but I think having yearly contact with them and then they can say, we don't need it. But we also have an error that, you know, that would be special equipment will be supplied. And I don't know if you have special equipment that's needed for emergency management in this scale, but it's there and I'm not inclined to go against what was specifically there at the request of the chiefs. Yeah. That's a and just to, be, just to be sure this is city, this would be the city that would be responding? Not a township? The county. Uh, county. County. I mean, I'm just curious because I'm wondering. These were chiefs from all the townships, uh, everybody. Central Command, Emergency Management, everybody was involved. Yes, I just mean who, who location-wise, I was just wondering who would be res who would be responsible for responding to a fire at this location. There's a rural fire station. Fire because I think, I think it's fire district. district. It's one. a consolidated, yeah. It it's Which, consolidated one. Yeah, so to, to me, that's even more important. And county emergency management would be involved, They're too. Usually volunteers. Yeah. That's why emergency management's involved with all yep. of it. Most of them the are. Pros yeah. at the well, if they choose to respond. Um, so that's why I think it would be really important to stay in touch with the local um, fire um, district and let them decide how much training was necessary. Just being out in the county, I think that's really important. Other thoughts? So on this item, are we saying that we believe that there's enough inherent flexibility in I'm their ability to work with the local fire departments that I believe so. I don't ask is, is inherent in it. I, I think as long as there's contact on a yearly basis, they're going to make a decision. And yeah. if it requires something from the 
fire district that says we don't need to do it this year they can submit that to county zoning and codes and that would probably satisfy the requirement without having to modify anything in this specific CU. I'm nervous about it the first time out too. Yeah, but they're going to go out at least once. And I, I get that it's a smaller scale, but it's also something that's very, very different than anything these folks deal with. Yep. We also know they prefer if it was all gravel. So you couldn't have a fire at all. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Chris, is that... Uh, that makes sense sure on that particular item on number three um, uh, that you wanted um, that uh, connection line to be above ground from the midpoint of the project where the inverters are to across the road um, where the uh, transmission line is is that correct that's correct yeah we were considering it a gener generator tie line and to get back to the substation all right and wasn't there Mary, help me with this. Wasn't there a, an item in one of the conditions that talked about um, lines being underground unless um, a, uh, a, a request with justification was approved by the county commissioner? Would, would that condition provide them that um, request? Um, actually, the information they provided that that was a generation tie-in um, the conditions note that those can be above ground. So when I wrote that condition, I didn't know that was considered a generation to tie-in. So I think that could be removed. It wouldn't require a modification because it would be allowed. So what specifically would be removed if, in a motion, Mary? Um, well, the first, I put my staff report. In the first condition, there's one condition that says that the above ground lines would either be put below ground or a modification would be um, obtained from the county commission that one would be struck and also in the conditions there's one that just states that about all above all um, electrical connections would be below ground and uh, that one what numbers number 10 yeah thank you is that this wouldn't really be that you know it, it doesn't fall under that so 10 what was so 10 and what was the other one that would be struck I believe it was number two, but I could be wrong. I don't have uh, this one, one a yet right now. One A. Get it. But it would be the um, one A. Oh yeah, we have a one. One of the first ones that says um, either the lines would be put below ground or they would get a modification from the county commission. So that one could be removed completely. Given this new information, commissioners, this was also part of fire and emergency management concerns between overhead and underground. I don't know if we have the technical information. I think maybe if we note it. Is that something that can be examined between us, our action, and presentation to the county commission so they could choose to modify or strip it once they have technical information or input from the proper people? Is that unheard of, or can, do we have to give direct, you know, direction that additional information be collected to be presented at the county commission meeting about this topic? Did you catch that, Mary? No, I'm sorry. What was the question? Well, the question is, I, I just think I know that the underlined. Uh, 
cables were part of the concerns of the fire chiefs because uh, it reduced fire risk. And I don't know if we have the technical information. It sounds like, you know, he, staff made some determinations based on what was in front of them and now maybe we need to re-examine that and I don't know if we have the information here that we need I don't want to defer it for that but is that something that the information could be collected and presented of a possible modification when it goes to the County Commission do and do we have to note that we request that that happen that's a very good idea, right? We could look into it and see if it is a tie-in, what they call the tie-in line, then we could recommend to the county commission that we just strike it. If not, if it's something else, we could get some expert opinion and be able to give them some advice on that. So that's a good idea just for us to look into that further before we decide what to do. Is that? Yeah, we don't have any staff electrical engineers or planning commissioners with electrical engineering backgrounds, so I'm hesitant on this one. <laughs> The, uh, so basically, we leave 1A in place, which says show a plan. Is that right? Yeah, they they can address that. You know, we we're making a recommendation based on what we have, and if additional information goes to the county, they can make a decision based on uh, the expert input that we don't have tonight. Because otherwise, we'd be deferring this for two months, right. and then another month before it gets to the county commission. So I don't so want to. So that. then, is the action then, Jim? Do you think for the applicant to work with Mary to yes. get that completely cleared, so that when it comes before the county commissioners, it is a part of the recommendation as opposed to a variance request? I think that would be a better route. Is that something that sounds reasonable to the applicant? Yeah, I think we can definitely work with Mary. Okay. Yeah, we don't see an issue. I think she'll. I think she'll see our point. Can, can we use that same logic for all four requests? Well, all, all something <laughs> that you know. I mean, it, it's new information for us, right? I mean, it, can they just work with Mary to? One, two, and three are not new to us. Oh, I see. Yeah. Number three is. It seems very technical, though. Yeah. Yeah. What's the definition? We what fits in the definition? Okay. <laughs> um, on that though, um, it's my understanding that they can seek them. We don't really actually have changed in one A, they allows them to seek a modification, and that's all they're doing, right? Is seeking a modification. And then, I, I if I it's 10 that we're looking at, um, really, we're just looking, for, it's my understanding that you're just looking for a modification for one wire or one line, not all lines. So, because there's a difference to me whether we're talking about having one interconnection versus having all of them. And I got from what you were saying that it was just going to be one. We don't, we don't actually believe that we need a modification because we think your rigs are, are very clear regarding a generator a generation tie-in line yeah. which is the line that goes from the solar farm to the substation so I think your regs are very very clear uh, and I, I think Mary and I will be able to talk that out in about two yeah. minutes yeah that, that's Isn't that what you highlighted in yellow on the, <laughs> yeah. yeah and so it, it very clearly says I mean I have it right here generation tie lines from the project substation to a utility substation may be above ground so from, from the project to the substation can be above ground. Uh, so we think that's very clear. And I think we're happy to talk to Mary about it. We don't anticipate any issues uh, in that discussion. Uh, but, but we don't think we need a modification from or a variance from the regulations. We just want to do this work in accordance with the regulations. 
Yeah, I think so. I just was wondering if it was all or just yeah. we're talking about one line. So thank you. Yeah. Item last, uh, there was a request that uh, the reviews be um, something that instead of being by a, an outside third party, that it's something that uh, shifts to uh, work that, that staff provides. I'm paraphrasing. I, I see Carl's with us. Carl, can you hear us and join? Or not? We'll go with Mary first. <laughs> Isn't a regulation written that um, if the county feels that they can't do it, that's when they contract with a outside third party? Yes, it basically says they may use a third party. It doesn't require a third party. And so staff, you know, something of 12 acres, I think staff could do the review, but, you know, does leave the option open if they didn't go able to, whether it's because of workload or just because of the type of review, they could contact with a third party. So I think the applicant would like to just ensure the staff does the review. Something that, than having the option of a third party. But something this small, I mean, that outside review is going to happen as part of the final approval for all the different plans that have to be there. So these annual reviews, you know, this this size is small enough that it may not cause any problem for staff to actually go by and look at it. So there wouldn't be third parties. And I see Carl's joined us. He's with County Codes and Enforcement. So can you weigh in on that, Carl? Sorry about that. Could you repeat the question, please? I'm having issues with audio. Yeah, I think everyone on Zoom is. Um, the, the, the question is, there's a concern by the applicant that the cost of having third-party reviews every five years could be cost-prohibitive. But as we talked with Mary here, the code's written that third parties may be used by county code enforcement if necessary. Is that your understanding? And they're not required. We got no sound. <laughs> Mary, I may need your help with this one. I'm yeah, yeah, they are not required. The, the code says that we may have third parties, and I think we put that in because we were thinking about 800 to 1,000 acre applications coming in and being able to do a review every five years, you know, that's huge, and being able to get it done timely. So we want to make sure in the large ones we could get third parties. I don't think we'd have an issue with doing a 12 acre review. There's not that much to go through. I. And I don't know, Carl hasn't had time, you know, to think about this question, I don't think. I think he'd want to look into it before he um, committed That's to That's right. Yeah, but I think we, I think it's something we could consider for sure. But Carl, we like putting everybody on the spot here, so. <laughs> but you know, my interpretation of when we, what how we wrote this is we aren't going to have, probably won't have third-party reviews on something this size. It doesn't. But in the scenarios where we where we don't know what we don't know. Right. Well, we'll find out if it comes exists. if it comes up. It's something that would have to be addressed. <laughs> Because, you know, it might be cost prohibitive for the smaller, and it, if it turns out to be that, that might be subject to a text amendment for this scale of solar facilities. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't know yeah, that yet. Yeah. 
Does anyone feel strongly about this item such that they would want to ask us to change the condition? I prefer the condition the way it is simply to give staff the need. I don't know what they'll need or what kind of pressure they'll be under. So I, I, I prefer I, I, to give them as much leeway as possible. I tend to agree. Everyone on the same page there? You still have the Board of County Commissioners that you can talk to about it. But. And, I, and the time frames, the five years, part of that was looking at technology changes. Is any, what else has changed in the area? There, it was to take into you know, check in every so often to make sure it was operating the way it was supposed to and that it's, you know, other things coming in around it weren't, we didn't have other potential impacts. So, you know, if it's minimal, you know, county zoning and codes goes out and have us a look <laughs> once a year and says, nope, nothing's changed. That's pretty minimal. Yeah. But it has that safety valve in it. So I appreciate what you're doing to help keep our light bills lower. Um, I truly do. Um, and I, my, my hope is that as you work year over year with county staff, that this won't be a problem for you guys. But in terms of making a change in the language tonight, we're not uh, prepared to do that. Okay. I want to thank you guys very much. Anything else? Any other? Uh, yes. Go ahead. Uh, you're first. Oh, on, the, on the fire thing, um, you know, it, it, I think the, uh, uh, you guys should have the requirement to reach out annually to the fire department to the local fire department and say hey do you guys want us to do anything this year I, I don't think it should be on the fire department to contact you because they're going to be dealing with you know whatever else is going on in the community so i think that is a requirement that you reach out to them now whether they want that training that year or not is you know up to them um and and these forces are a lot of them are volunteer right charlie yes. so so new people come and go all the time so you guys really have to take that so that i think that has to be a requirement that you reach out to the local fire department not as not as needed but kind of like you have to just make some kind of contact with them and you know so that's why i'm saying i don't know that we should put language in here gary that says as needed because yeah, I, don't, I think it's too vague. Yeah, we're, yeah, I don't think we're going to change it. I think what we ended on was that there was enough inherent flexibility in yeah, there yeah. that they got to the same place. Right. And again, as we get into this, we might find the need for a text amendment for this right. scale of project. Yeah, especially in rural areas. I mean, right? Because my hope is we'll see more smaller projects right. than we'll ever see larger scale right. projects. Right. I'd want my volunteer firemen, if I'm rolling up on something that's full of electricity, I'm about ready to spray water on it, I'd want them to know what to do. Well, if you remember that meeting, they said their response most likely will be to contain it with inside the fence. They're not There's going in. They're yeah. going to contain it. So, yeah. Yeah. On that, I would just like to say I do think it's really important to think about it as we're out in the county areas. Being being someone who um, understands our fire response is a little different. I think it's really important that the fire response be included or contacted regu regularly. So I would agree with that. I also wanted to say. Um, we decided not to take up the variance, but you kind of mentioned that they could take that up with the um, the commission. And to the extent that is Which one? the the actual variance of additional time. Yes, yes. 30, and I would just say I actually would be a little hesitant um, for anyone who would be thinking about that. I don't know if that would be what would it come up in the next meeting. I guess as they go to the county com or to the um, commission. If they chose to, it would be a part of their request, just just the same way it was here. Yeah. So I guess I would just say I'd be a little um, cautious about that, simply because we don't know about the. 
technology and so much of what it sounds like was built into the regulations was the review and check, review and check and make sure that things are being done properly, that technology is, is like advancing as it should, that the um, land's being used properly and whatnot. So it seems like you could get a variance, I would imagine, or an extension at any point in the life of the CUP rather than having to do it at the, um, at the beginning, especially if it's 15-year um, equipment, right? You're gonna you're gonna know before you're renewing the equipment. So I just seems like unless there's a reason that 25 years was was so. Um, if, if it wasn't really important that you picked 25 years, then then maybe not. But it seems like um, you you picked it for a reason, and I would just be it, hesitant to roll out an additional uh, 10 years. It, it was chosen for a reason. There were people arguing everywhere from five year up to 40 years. Um, and it came out at 25 based on some of the information we collected from experts in the field. And we know that it has some impact on financing, but the decision by this commission to recommend approving it at this and the county commission approving it at 25 was based on changes in technology and the fact that if there were any changes, there's nothing to say that the applicant can't come in and apply for a new conditional use permit prior to the expiration of this one and then it's extended for another period of time. It just triggers another set of review processes for uncertain, fast-changing technology on a large scale and you know the other trigger was any substantial change like we want to add batteries that will trigger the need for a brand new CUP so there's nothing to prevent asking for a new CUP that goes for different timelines it might impact the private contracts between the company and the landowner but that's not us <clears throat> other thoughts I think I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Commissioner Munch, I haven't been watching closely. Anything from you? No, sir. Thank you. All right. Any other questions, concerns for this applicant? I'd entertain a motion. So there's no... Um no, we're just reading the language. I think by the time we, we've talked it all through, we're leaving we're the leaving language it. alone, feeling that they either go somewhere else with it or right. they've got the room in it. Okay. To get done what they've asked. I could entertain. Please. Um, I move that we approve a conditional use permit CUP 23 for a limited scale solar energy conversion system use in the northeast corner of the intersection of East 400 and North 1700 roads and forward a recommendation of approval to the Board of County Commissioners subject to the conditions listed in the staff report. Second. Second. Brodo. Jeff, would you call the roll please? Uh, point of order, does the commission would like to discuss before going to vote? Thank you. <laughs> Any further discussion? Comments? I just want to say this was a great exercise on a smaller scale for a first time to go through. I, I hope people got some answers from the two of us that were on most, and Mary. There are three of us here that were very much in tune with what was happening throughout that. So I'm glad for all the questions, and yeah. I'll answer any other ones you have um, at any time. 
So, and the Lisa issue is one. I'm glad it's coming up because yeah. it has been left open. There's still a subcommittee out there. It's an there open switch, yes. We have that. It hasn't been addressed. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think um, I would say that um, this has been really interesting and very helpful. So, thank you um, as we're getting ready to, to think about um, a lot of this and the wind stuff that's coming up. So, um, so thank you for all of that. Um, but I am excited about the small scale. I, I'm inclined to support this because I am excited about this as renewable, small scale, back to our local community. So that, that value system is really exciting for me. I am a little concerned about some of the agricultural use, some of the rural, rural concepts of the um, access emergency services and some of those kinds of things that I think need to maybe be fleshed out um, some, but on a small project like this, leaving in all of the requirements of the checking in and talking to the right people and reviewing at appropriate stages, um, I am inclined to, to think this is a exciting, exciting project. I think you're gonna find a lot more information if the large scale one that's been in the paper actually files a request. Um, you're going to see more detailed reports because it's going to trigger other sections of the code. So some of your concerns may be answered once we hit those sections of the code. Learning process. <laughs> For all of us. <laughs> Anything else? Any other comments? Jeff, please call the vote. Commissioner Barotto? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Duvor? Yes. Commissioner Hayden? Yes. Commissioner Kelso? Yes. Commissioner Munch? Yes. Commissioner Rexroad? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Because I am a free state member, I have not said much, so I'm going to abstain from voting. <laughs> Motion passes 7-0. Thank you all. Thank you all. I wondered why you were being so quiet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I thought you guys did a great job in asking questions and saying things. All right, so at this time, I'm, gonna, I'm going to adjourn us from the joint session with the uh, LeCompton Planning Commission. And before we go into our next item, which will be to reconvene with uh, the Eudora Planning Commission, I'm going to um, uh, offer a 10-minute recess. That's good. Powder our noses. I would ask us, though, that we be back in our chairs at, uh, at uh, 20 till. I'd like to start right on time, please. Sometimes the strangest sources are true. Yeah, I right? think that it's about the fragility of our use that we need this uh, yeah the local aspect not much <coughs> all right welcome back as we um, come out of recess uh, we're going to um, join or convene a joint meeting with the Eudora Planning Commission and I think we had notification that no members of the Eudora Planning Commission were going to be here tonight. They did submit a letter that's in the packet, though. That's correct. All right, very good. All right, and with that, we are on to item number two, <clears throat> where we consider approving a conditional use permit for an outdoor recreation facility with therapy. Well, Wilderness Kids, uh, located at 112080 Road. And uh, Catherine is here, is here tonight to talk to us about that. Hi, Catherine. Commissioners, Catherine Week, one of your planners. Um, just a clarification, this is not located at...
There we go. Can you hear me now? <laughs> Sorry. So just a clarification, this is not located at 1128. It's the parcel directly south of 1128. Um, this parcel is not addressed. I believe it will get an address um, upon approval of a conditional use pit permit or building permit, uh, whichever um, should come first. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and try to share my screen here and see if we can get this rolling. All right, can you all see that okay? You're seeing the main screen for the presentation, correct? We are. Yes. Okay, awesome. Okay, so as I mentioned, this is conditional use permit. Um, this is a little bit different use than probably we've seen um, in the past. The closest use classification for this type of use that they're proposing is outdoor recreation facility. Um, and for clarification purposes, it is also in parentheses, just to remind you that it's for therapy use. Uh, this is the surrounding zoning in the area. It is located in the AG2 zoning. Um, and as you can see, the area is primarily AG2 um, and AG1. Um, this is in a little bit of a cluster of AG2. I'm going to go over some of the key points uh, from the staff report. Um, the number one thing is to uh, remember that this property is being proposed to be used for outdoor therapy activities. Um, the business is not located on the site, so this would be in support of an off-site business. Um, it is zoned AG2, and the outdoor recreation facility use uh, does require a conditional use permit in the AG2 zoning. Um, the use has been described by the applicant as uh, small groups of children that come to the site for therapy via outdoor activities. Um, there is also an existing structure on the site um, that's currently used for storage since support of those outdoor activities. Um, if uh, approved, any applicable building permits for the use uh, for the building and for the existing curb cuts of the driveway shall be obtained prior to issuing that conditional use permit. So they have um, some follow-up um, process to do uh, if the conditional use permit is uh, approved. There was also a variance request that was in process as part of the conditional use permit as well. Um, the front setback, the existing structure on the site um, was encroaching on the required 110 foot setback. Um, that has actually been approved since the writing of the staff report that uh, Douglas County uh, Zoning Board did approve that on the 17th of April. So the setback variance um, has been uh, acquired. So just a highlight of the review criteria, and we'll go into some of these a little more thoroughly um, in a moment. Um, just a reminder what we look at when we're reviewing for conditional use permits. That is the zoning um, and the uses of the nearby property, the character of the area, um, whether or not the suitability of the property um, is such for the, the restrictions that is currently on the property, any impacts to the natural environment, um, any impacts um, to any community facilities or utility infrastructure, conformance with that comprehensive plan, whether or not a time limit is appropriate, um, and compliance with zoning regulations. And I want to talk about a little bit about um, the 
uh, oh, before we get into that too, uh, just to let you know that we did have some substantial public comment for this particular item. Um, staff did receive a few phone calls for clarification. Um, all public comment has been submitted um, with the packet um, as we received them and it did get uh, all uploaded in the update as of today. So we don't have any outstanding public communications and we had um, some for you know concerns and in support. So we have a, a varying uh, amount of public communication on this. Um, and so going into some of those uh, review criteria, I'm going to describe uh, as the applicant has described the particular use that would take place on the property and the characteristics uh, that, that will entail. The use is described um, as that families would come in uh, or cars would come in through the south entrance of the parking area that's just to the west of the building and exit through the north. There are two access points, uh, kind of a half circle drive. Um, there are some walking trails and some open areas um, that are accessed uh, via coming down around the shed um, where these play activity or nature activities would take place. Um, there's a mud kitchen play area um, some small logs, child-sized swings, uh, tree branches, small gazebo, um, and those, that's where the activities are taking place currently on the site. There is a hand-washing station uh, with soap, paper, towels, hand sanitizer provided to the north of the shed and a portable uh, toilet facility as well. There's some uh, deck storage for, or a deck box for storage of supplies and first aid and, and support materials. They are currently proposing um, hours uh, three days a week, Thursdays 9 to 5.30, Friday 9 to 1, and then in the summer looking to add potentially another day on Tuesday from uh, 9 to 3 uh, p.m. Usually there's a maximum of two groups on the site. Um, so potentially six uh six to eight children um, and uh, support staff uh, during those visits. The current uh, existing building on the site is used for supply storage um, and shelter from extreme, you know, if there's weather happening on the site while they're out there. And then sometimes there are private therapy sessions with parents and therapists in, uh, in the shed or shelter area. And then going into that re the review criteria, uh, one of the things that we look for is whether or not it complies with all of the current zoning standards. There are some use specific standards for uh, what is qualifying as a outdoor recreation facility. Again, as I mentioned, this is the closest use that this um, kind of fits into as far as classification goes, and that was discerned determined by the Zoning and Codes Administrator. This particular use is much lower in impact uh, to the site than what is described in the use standards for an outdoor recreation facility. Those are typically things that have like uh, team sports, games, uh, sports fields, potential concession areas. Um, this level of activity as described by the applicant and the use of the site does not rise to the level of those. So staff does feel that um, it does meet uh, any restrictions that would have been placed on that outdoor facility. It doesn't really rise to the level of those restrictions. And then it also meets the zoning uh, setback standards um, due to the fact that it 
received the variance, it is now in compliance with those setback standards um, for the site. This is the general location, kind of showing you what uh, is built in the area. It's, again, primarily rural residents um, and uh, agricultural or open land. This is a, a general layout of the site a little closer in so you can see where the actual areas. Um, again, there's not anything um, except for the existing structure that's currently built on the site. Um, the uh, toilet facility is portable, the hand washing station, um, the applicant can get into a little more detail about what those entail. Um, there's kind of a general area outlined where the nature activity area is located. Um, there are some trails that the applicant uh, may be able to kind of guide us through where those trails go. But the property is divided by some floodplain area in the center. And primarily, the activity will be taking place um, west and in some areas where uh, the, there's clearing from that floodway or floodplain, I should say, not floodway. Um, the parking area is to the west, uh, just off of East 2100 Road. And again, there's two access points um, and they would come in, traffic flow is indicated by the areas, come in from the south and exit through the north. This is kind of a zoomed in view showing where the existing structure is located on the site and the distance um, that was achieved through the variance uh, request from uh, the County uh, Board of Zoning Appeals that was reduced from the 110 foot setback to uh, 91 feet. Um, I added this slide just to um, one of our communications did talk about um, uh, access routes and also one of the recommended conditions talks about dust uh, uh, palliative care that was recommended by the township. So I added this slide just to kind of give a general idea of the two most logical routes um, that would probably be taken to get to the site. The star indicates the property's location. The red lines are indicating what is currently gravel um, or would maybe potentially require that dust palliative care. The green lines um, are coming in um, primarily from the north, the south, and from the east. Their business is located in Olathe, so most likely their customers will be coming from Olathe. The applicant may be able to talk about that a little bit more, but those green lines indicate where there are the nearest paved roads um, because that is talked about in the condition uh, regarding uh, dust care for. Uh, four roads. And we can come back to this slide. Um, I may recommend adding a condition where um, if the applicant can decide which route is the most logical route, that route should ideally be identified in the CUP so that um, it is clear that they make that um, known to their customers that they should be going this one route because that is the route that would uh, be best suited for the dust uh, palliative care. Staff is making a recommendation uh, for approval um, subject to the conditions outlined in the staff report. And I have a slide uh, with those conditions on it um, and we can go through some of them. Um, the language is pretty standard from previous um, uh, conditional use permits. 
one of the conditions that we, or one of the review criteria that we do talk about is whether a time limit um, is appropriate. Staff does feel a time limit is appropriate on this one and does have the standard five-year review and 10-year um, expiration because this uh, particular use um, does potentially have the um, uh, possibility of expanding in the future. This will give Douglas County Zoning and Codes uh, the opportunity to make sure that it doesn't uh, exceed its scope um, in that use um, in support of an off-site business. Um, so I would be happy to stand for any questions or clarifications on any of those if you have them. And I do believe that the applicant is here or in person um, to speak on this item tonight um, if you have questions for them as well when we get to that point. Thank you, Catherine. Yep. Are the Novasex here or online? There they are. Hi. My name's Stephanie Novacek. I'm one of the owners of the property and director of Nature Play at Well Wilderness Kids. And I just am going to share my story. I feel like that's what I do well. Um, so I'm a pediatric physical therapist. I have a deep passion for working with children of all ages and all abilities. And um, in, I think it was the fall of 2020, um, our, our location in Olathe um, tripled in size um, with the pandemic. Families were looking for alternative measures for their children to help support their occupation of play and allowing them to have social interaction with other kids in a safe environment, which being outdoors at the time was deemed one of the, the safest places for the children to be. In that time, my husband and I realized we cannot accommodate all of these families. Um, and we had had this, uh, just kind of this thought about expanding to other properties, just in different communities to be able to help support. We didn't want to be too far away from Olathe in case some of our, like, you know, some of those families wanted to come to a different location. So we actually wanted to find property in Lawrence first because just wanted to tap into that community. I have a lot of <coughs> colleagues that I'm connected with in the, in the Lawrence area. Well, when I went to like Google land for sale, like this was the property that popped popped up and it was just so interesting because I wasn't even familiar with Eudora at all. So then when we decided to purchase the property, we were told that this property in particular like would be very difficult to build a home on the property. Um, it, you know, just because of where it sits and where the creek is. Um, it was in a rural area where I felt like it was quiet and peaceful and just a really authentic, like raw piece of nature that has forest and creek um, for kids to explore and develop their skills. And um, as a physical therapist, I work alongside occupational therapists, speech therapists, music therapists, and our assistant director, Lori, is here. She's a social worker. We, we have like highly trained professionals that work on our team and and in the pandemic you know we always knew that kids being outdoors was like very important and actually here in America like it is becoming more like a more popular thing to have children outdoors for their early childhood education especially um, and that piece of property just like um, I often lead with my heart that piece of property just has such like therapeutic value to it so my husband and I we are we try to be healthy risk takers and we said okay 
we're going to look into purchasing this property. So before we did that, we actually tried to contact as many neighbors as possible. Some of them are here this evening. And it just was all very positive. Um, and I like got to know some of the Eudora Chamber members and just you know, tried to like get a feel for like if this type of program would be something that the community would benefit from. And and honestly, from 20 uh, fall of 2020 to to current, um, I feel like the last year there's a little bit more like clarity on things. But it was just a lot of unknowns at the time. And so we did have a few like a few kids and families on the property, and we kind of refer to that as our our pilot year, just seeing if it was even something that was going going to work. Um, and and we were in contact with the county like here and there asking questions and trying to learn the process of being on a piece of property like that having a satellite location so um so here we are in our you know kind of second year of piloting and again we only have like a very small number of kids that are on the property at any given time and most of them are siblings so if we say we have eight kids and and actually, three of the three of my, three families. Then that's three cars that are coming and parking in in the parking area. Um, so right now, it it is not bringing in a whole lot of traffic. And we are there during during business hours. And so I feel like a lot of times our neighbors are at work um, because I'm texting them, <laughs> like trying to ask questions here and there. Um, and and so. Just our focus has been small therapeutic groups. Um, and our hope is to offer private therapies where families can utilize their insurance to work with children. The cabin that's currently there, which is prefabricated and can be removed, um, I just want to make that clear, um, that we would like to be able to offer private therapies and serve more families in a therapeutic <coughs> way. Um, and. And right now, that is our sole purpose, is to offer small therapeutic groups or private therapies for families. Um, I feel like there was one other thing that there was maybe some clarification needed um, that Catherine had mentioned, but I cannot recall it at the moment. So that's all I have for now. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate you. All right. At this time, we'll open uh, the floor up to public comment. Um, uh, please uh, limit your comments to three minutes each. If you approach the podium, state your name when you're ready. I'd love to hear from you, and we'll look online as well for anyone who might be out there. Yes, sir. My name is Travis McCormick. I live at 1110 East 2100 Road. I'm about 500 feet south of this location, and the Novacheks have never reached out to me in the almost two years they've owned the property. I'm, to, to be very clear, I'm not against mental health or the well-being of children or, or anything else her business represents. I am against this business simply because it is not compatible with the area. Looking at the request, there are two groups of 16 to 20 kids. That is potentially and worst case scenario, right? Because I have to look at it from the way it could possibly impact me at the highest level. That is 20 cars driving past my house. But these services are drop off, drop off and pick up, which means those vehicles could potentially pass my house twice. And in a six hour window, 
if she has multiple sessions in the same day, you can easily multiply this to maybe 80, 120 times vehicles are now passing my house. Based on the information that I've already supplied that's in the packet, you can see on the uh, traffic studies and the letter from Chad Voigt as of 2020, um, anything above a 200 car minimum per day makes the road almost unmaintainable or difficult to maintain, ineffective, I think is the word he actually uses. So on North 1200, which is one of the uh, proposed routes, the vehicle per day count is already above that. And on the south route, North 1100, the vehicle per day route count is 132 cars a day. And that was done just January of 2023. There's also another south route which measures the exact same distance, which I've also supplied in the packet. So three separate routes that are all 1.2 miles long. Recommendation from staff is that one of them gets dust palliative. So which one? Are we drawing straws? Am I the beneficiary? Or is it my neighbors? On top of all this, the township is responsible for maintaining those roads. So the impact is not only to the people who are living adjacent to it or affected directly by the traffic, but the taxpayers of the Eudora Township who are now losing the benefit because they are having to maintain up to three additional routes at a higher level. There are two additional routes that are two miles long or two and a half miles long that come from the east. To say that the route were proposed down North 1100 would be the preferred route. One of her customers actually lives three quarters of a mile directly north on North 1200 already. I don't think they're driving around to get there. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else in the room? Good evening. My name is James Regeer and I live to the north of this facility, um, this property. And I, I too have concerns with dust suppression and, and similar to what Travis raised, you know, what, what's proposed I don't think is, is you know, adequate. Who's gonna, who's gonna benefit? You can make a suggestion to enter from one direction or another, but you know people are gonna come from both ways. I mean, K-10 is the, is the primary corridor coming through, you know, our area. And so people will come that way and, and possibly take 12, uh, 1200 Road and go west to 2100 Road, or you will also have people coming from Olathe and, and other directions from the south coming in that direction. So, you know, to, to, to identify one road, I don't think is going to be one route or the other. You know, I think they're both going to get access, and especially if people enter the enter the facility from one side and are supposed to exit the other they're probably gonna they come in from one side and go out the other I mean what what are the odds of them following the same the same route I you know I, I don't feel one route necessarily is going to adequately address um, the the dust suppression so so I think you kind of have to go on both sides on that road to to cover the increased traffic and effect on on residents living in that in that area, um, I'm not sure where the issue, where the effort was made to contact neighbors regarding this business. Um, no neighbors that I'm aware of were contacted. 
So I'm not sure who they contacted, but nobody that I know that lives on that road. So there's kind of been a, you know, from my angle, there's kind of been a disregard to the neighbors in the area in, in putting this, this business in place without previous contact. And the fact that it, the business was in operation in Olathe already um, just goes to show me that they're aware of the requirements for a business, what's required, contact residents, you know, up and down the road. Also the variance with the shed. I mean, if you're running a business, you, you know already the requirements. So it almost seems like there was an, an effort made to, it's the typical, let's, let's start this and ask for forgiveness as, uh, rather than following the regulations and, that are put in place and, and, you know, approach it in the proper manner. So obviously, you know, neighbors are concerned of, of what, you know, the, the amount of traffic on the road, what is it going to expand to, what is the increased amount of traffic in the road, you know, going to be. Um, and and I, I can't speak for all of my neighbors. I can, I can speak for myself. One of the main reasons we moved out to this area was to get away from commercial, you know, locations like this and, and, and just because it was zoned agricultural and residential, um, there's quite a fair number of residential houses along the road. Um, you know, it was primarily agriculture before some of those houses were put in, but, but I think that was a primary objective of a lot of the people that have moved out there. And so now, you know, now we're seeing, you know, commercial encroaching on, on the area that, that was primarily designated not for that, which is why a lot of people were there. So those are, there's, there's other concerns, but my time is up. So. <laughs> Thank you, James. Thank you. I, I'm Wendy Regeer, and I live at 1140, um, just a few houses north of the property in question. So my thing is, I also never contacted. I found out about this because she had like a Zoom luncheon with the local doctor's office several months ago. And I'm good friends with Sammy that works there. And she's like, hey, I think there's a day camp opening up by you. And I was, well, what are you talking about? And so, you know, we drive by. We can tell something's going on there. And um, it wasn't until they, some other lady came in the office recently and said that they had plans to put other buildings there and talking about how great it was. And that's so that's when I sent an email to the zoning people asking, you know, you guys aware this is going on out here? So my thing is I try to follow the rules. I think most of my neighbors do because the neighbor to the north and the neighbor to the south of me both wanted to build metal buildings on their property. They had to get a variance approved first. They had to get a signature from all of us. We all had to sign off on it. So I don't know why this person didn't, but seems appropriate that you would do that if other neighbors were required to. So I just have a problem with people doing, you know, you start a business, you're having people out there, um, building a shed, building basically a rock driveway that's pretty lengthy and wide um, without any approval whatsoever. And then we'll just go get it on the backside. I mean, that's not how you do things. I think if you guys let this slide, it sets a tone for other businesses that I can just do whatever. I, I can start a business tomorrow in my backyard. And I'll just beg for forgiveness later. 
I've had several friends in Eudora that said, yeah, why don't we all just start a business then if there's not going to be any, you know, regulations or fines or anything. So, and then the, the deaths is also a problem because we already have people flying down our road. I mean, I'm, I'm waiting for the day when there's a wreck because somebody lost control and but it hasn't happened yet. I know it has with some of the utility vehicles, but not an actual car. But um, I just think Johnson County is loaded with parks. That is the one thing Johnson County does well. Their parks and their libraries. Go to a park. Their parks are huge. Stay out. I mean, we don't need that in Eudora. We don't need somebody who's not going to follow the rules. Because I, my question is, what, what's next? What else are you going to do? You did all this, so what else can you maybe do and not get away with? That's all I have. I have more, like Travis, but thank you. I'm limited. <laughs> is there anyone online? I see Whitney. I can't see the rest of the name. Whitney, would you like to unmute and speak on this? Yes, Whitney Schneider. Whitney Schneider. May I go? Please. As well? Hi. Please. Good evening, commissioners. My name is Sheree Geary. I am the mother of two young children, daughters, one and three, Calliope and Elodie. Um, they've been attending Wild Wilderness at the Olathe location for the last year. Um, to be quite honest, even in the country, there's not very many opportunities like Wild Wilderness. They not only support my children through semi-private groups that are small, of only six children, um, as well as private therapies. And they also provide a lot of mindful parenting that is just really necessary with kind of the state of our youth and everything going on in our country to support families as a whole. Um, I myself have had the opportunity to meet a lot of the families that attend Wall Wilderness, and we all come from a very mindful background of trying to raise our children in a very um, holistic nature environment. The Eudora location specifically is different from our Olathe location. The Olathe location is more farm-based, so a lot of the families are excited about having the opportunity to have something more outdoor in a more forest environment. So, um, yeah, I can't speak enough great words about Wild Wilderness and how it's benefited my family and how I know there's families in Eudora and Lawrence that would benefit as well. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Looking at Whitney Schneider still, I see a hand, a digital hand up. <laughs> there you go. Are you okay, there, can you hear me now? Yes. Uh, for some reason, I just could not get that figured out. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yes, um, Whitney Schneider and uh, my children, uh, ages now seven and four, were a part of that um, pilot program last year. And, you know, uh, a couple things I want to address real quick is um, I don't believe that uh, it was in Stephanie's nature to um, be dishonest with any of the neighbors or anything uh you know, regarding, regarding that, I think there might just have been some miscommunication in that regard, but nonetheless, um, in terms of like the roads and the dust, I'm telling you as parents, we would do whatever is necessary to keep this facility open. Um, I don't know the last woman that just spoke, but, um, 
you know, the families are small. There's not a lot of cars going in and out of there. Um, and it's not a day camp. Um, and as far as like going to another park someplace else, this isn't just for like Olathe kids. This is for Lawrence kids. This is for Baldwin kids, Eudora kids. And the therapies that they provide out there are unmatched by anything else that is offered around here. Um, not just, uh, you know, Douglas County, but in Kansas, probably in the States, you know, we've gotten further and further away from nature um, and the learning opportunities that they provide for our kids. Um, so, you know, like Stephanie had mentioned, okay, I'm gonna say real quick too, that my oldest um, is atypical, has autism. And during the pandemic, um, he didn't receive any of his services. That's OT, PT. And this was a, a very uh, incredible opportunity for him and for our family uh, to receive those services um, outside, outdoors. And I'm, I can't fully express um, the, not only the gratitude that I have for them and what they did for both my both of my kids, my youngest um, is typically typically developing, but they just offer so much in terms of therapies, all of those things. Uh, both kids improved uh, physically and just like their overall resilience um, and I'm going to say health in that regard too. Um, and as for the neighbors too, like I understand the concern, but I would also encourage you or I would think that you would want to encourage exploration and appreciation for the land and the nature that you know you obviously sought out too. Um, uh, let's see. Other than that, I was just going to say there's a book uh, called "There's No Such Thing as Bad Weather," and uh, it's basically kind of um, now I'm losing my words, but anyway, comparing. Um, Ms. Snyder, I need to ask you to wrap up, please. Well, then I would just suggest that if anybody's got the time or want to, to check out that book. Um, but the value that our family and the other families I know got out of um, our time at Well Wilderness is immeasurable. Thank so, you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Anyone else online? Um, I would like to say something. Yes, please. Uh, my name is Emily Musel, and I am actually a Learning Ally um, staff member of Well Wilderness Kids and um, an occupational therapy assistant. So um, I just want to say that from what I've worked with Stephanie and especially from this Eudora location, um, I can't describe how amazing it is to see how kids develop and where we are meant to discover the world and instead of the sc our screens and all the things that people buy there's the nature out here that is willing to provide us with everything we need to um to develop from the ground up and i think what a lot of us don't realize is just that these natural opportunities. So <laughs> looking for worms, using those fine motor skills, appreciating what's around you, realizing like the mindfulness and um, using a lot of our brain body connections was go back to development, which then helps kids 
in the future with education and being able to attend classes and sustainability performing but also like as a person becoming you know having a bigger a wider mindset so I just wanted to say something that I've seen a huge difference in just the kids I've worked there and I've worked in school districts um and um and other outpatient therapies indoors and it's not the same so um thank you Anyone else in the room? We'll switch back to the room for a minute. Yes, please. Hello. Hi. Uh, Mindy and Nick Aguilar. Hi. We live at 1128 East 2100 Row. Our, our 5.1 something acres connects to the Novacek's north border property line. Okay. Uh, the Novacek's parking lot, uh, the cleared and graveled area, is on the northern edge of their property, and our home sits on the southern edge of our five acres. So we, of all our wonderful neighbors that have spoken today, we have the the most direct and unobstructed view of the goings-on of the Novacek's property, the comings and goings and, and what's going on during over there. Um, the most I personally have ever seen over there was two cars. The, the gatherings are very infrequent and very small. The most, like I said, the most I've ever seen is two cars. The most my husband has ever seen, and I believe it was on a Friday or something, was five. Um, there's five cars in my driveway every day. Um, so, <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the, as far as the traffic and all that, uh, the doors are growing community and the traffic, a lot of the kids are taken from the high school coming over to 1100 or the 12, uh, 1200 road and going around to miss the town and stuff. And some of them might go the other way like that, but everybody in that road has the opportunity to get dust powder treatment on their own. And you know, and sometimes we do. I missed a date before and wasn't able to get it. I hired a separate contractor to put Despella just for our benefit. So you know, I mean, it's not. I don't. We can all. We all have the opportunity to get it if we need it. So, I mean, and like I said, the traffic coming to that place right now. I, I like what they're doing and for the kids and all that. But I haven't. I don't think it's where people are getting their uh, Very information minimal. on the amount of cars that are coming down each road. I don't think there's not that much traffic from this business. No. We've, I've personally, on a nice, beautiful spring day, you'll see more ATV, ATVs running up and down the road than what I've experienced coming from the Novacek's property ever. Um, the, the property just west side of the road, it's a, a farm menagerie, uh, novelty, chicken coops and every kind of farm animal you can right up next to the road and the looky-loos that come by to check that out and see what new inventions and artwork pieces that he puts out uh, is also it I think generates more traffic than the Novacek's property does um, so, uh, I can have my family over for dinner and we're gonna generate more traffic than the Novacek's property will I need to ask you to wrap up please yes thank you Thanks for your comments. Anyone else online?
Drew, anyone? Jane anyone? No. I'm sorry? I would like to go. I'm a staff member of sure. I'm, a I'm, I'm a learning ally um, along with my friend, Emily. Um, and I would just like to say, too, that I don't think it's in the Novacek's um, <laughs> DNA to be dishonest. I don't think that that is um, what they were trying to do. I think um, just miscommunication has happened somewhere. Um, but I just wanted to say that not all children belong in a classroom with walls and just the the rich benefits that they're getting from this type of social emotional um, um, learning out in nature is just so amazing. Um, and I just hope that we can continue that. I agree with the traffic, um, with the Aguilar saying that typically there's not more than five cars in the parking lot. And I think that's the most I've ever seen. And I work there. Um, it is very minimal. Um, so um, I think there's a bit of a mis misunderstanding with people thinking this is a day camp and a very large program. And it, it is not. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else online? Back to the room. Anyone else in the room? Going once. Once we close public comment, uh, we won't be coming back out. All right. Uh, we have a couple minutes here for the applicant. If you wish to answer um, any of the questions, concerns, comments that were made, you're, yeah, you can have five minutes to do that. I feel like I should be turning around and talking to these folks here. So I just feel like my integrity is being questioned and and it, it's not been lack of, I mean, it's not been a miscommunication. It's been lack of communication. But I think honestly, I connected with the neighbors that are closest to us and found comfort in that and a few others. And, um, I was not expecting to be this emotional, so I'm so sorry. Um, I think one of the reasons I am emotional right now is because if, if we're going to do this program and offer this program, I want support from the community. So I just right now, I, I, I feel like just the last couple of years, again, it's, we just didn't know if this was going to be something that was going to work or be accepted. And by no means was I trying to like deceive or be dishonest. Like right now, I'm saying to everyone that's willing to help us, whether it's county commission, neighbors, other professionals, like help us. Like what are we going to do? I mean, we purchased six acres of property and we can only access like three of it because right now they're telling us we can't access the back three because we need to have a bridge that's built across the creek. So we're, we're using very small space in this property to do wonderful, amazing things with these kids. And, um, and I, I want to keep offering that, I really do. But I, I also like need support from the community. So I, I told, you know, I told uh, Nick and Mindy, like we're willing to help pay for the pallet of care for the road. If I need to tell our families to drive a certain way, they'll do it. They will do anything to bring their kids to us. Um, 
and I just, I, I do much better, honestly, just like sitting down and talking one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, I, I mean, I've gotten to know them so well because I care, I want them to, like, I don't want to disrupt their lives. Um, but I don't expect everyone to be as passionate and like believe in my mission as much as I do. Um, I'm very aware of that, but I do want support and I don't want anyone to question my integrity. Um, so that's all. Thank you. All right, we'll bring this back to the commission. Um, this is a conditional use permit. Um, the, uh, amazingly, the same nine criteria that we talked about on a larger solar project also apply, but maybe with some different uh, thinking around it. Um, anyone like to start? I, I will if, if, if no. I mean, I'll go first. If uh, I have a few questions, um, I'll start with the applicant. Um, and this may be, Catherine, I may need you to jump in here. The, the applicant is offering to um, pay for palliative care, I think is the right term. What, what is that something that is possible? So um, I would um, kind of direct you to that um, final condition that's lifted, listed in the staff report. And typically, this is typically how they're framed. And they can be changed, and the county commission can determine what's appropriate for palli palliative care. Uh, typically, there may be one route to a property where they would assist with palliative care from the property to the pay first paved road. In this case, I provided a slide showing that there are, in fact, multiple routes. Um, it probably is onerous to expect the applicant to provide palliative care or assist with palliative care on three uh, roadways. Um, so it may be appropriate for the county commission to determine that perhaps they assist with the palliative care on East 2100 Road, which is the main road they're using regardless of the way that they are traveling to the site. And the graphic was only put in there just to kind of show you um, that there are multiple routes to the road. And typically when palliative care is included as a condition, it is good to include some direction in the CUP to state which areas they would be responsible for assisting. And the county commission is ultimately the decider in, um, you know, whether or not they're going to assist in, in annual, you know, if there's already annual palliative care happening there, whether or not they're going to assist in that, that would ultimately be um, determined by the county commission. But the condition was put in there to kind of guide you in that discussion as to how um, we want to make the recommendation um, to forward it on to the county commission for consideration. And the main reason that it was included in the first place is because the board, the uh, Eudora Township Board, um, did uh, make that clear that that should be a condition if they're going to uh, be supporting an off-site business coming to a rural location, that they should be in some form assisting with that dust preventative um, measure. So it was included as a condition. Hopefully all of that information <laughs> helped to answer or guide your, your question, um, and I can uh, elaborate uh, more if necessary. So. Yeah, thank you. Can I ask a follow-up, Gary? Sure. sure. Uh, so... Uh, uh, could I ask the applicant a question, ma'am? Could you come back? Uh, um, as far as so you've you've done this, uh, is that correct? Um, and you, you guys have been Eudora. at this location for about a year. 
Um, a little over. A little over a year. Mm -hmm. um, ha are you planning on expanding, or is this kind of where it's going to be? I mean, what is your, what do you foresee as far as traffic and all that kind of stuff? What do you? Yeah, and I can definitely appreciate that question. Um, knowing that we can only access that small front area in, in front of the creek, I guess that would be on the west side of the creek. Um, like our our plan is not to expand to like even our Olathe location. I want you all to understand like our Olathe location is like where my husband and my four children and I live. Like we live on a 10 acre farm and we have maybe a total of 60 families a year that access our business. And we have a lot of land, like usable space in Olathe. Eudora is completely different. It is, it's smaller, like it was not meant to like accommodate 60 families. I think, um, I think Travis may have mentioned like 16 to 20 kids. Like we do not plan to have 16 to 20 kids on that property at any given time. And part of it is because it's a different type of land that like safety is our, of utmost importance. So like we honestly as professionals like feel only comfortable with no more than eight kids and at least two to three of us professionals on the property at again, any given time. So if there's any expansion, it's like right now we're only there like two half days. So how we would want to expand maybe is to add more days. So that was in our, our application was for the summer, maybe to add another half day just to, to accommodate more families. Um, can I foresee what the future is going to look like in five to ten years? I mean, I, I don't know, but right now, like, we we actually wanted to start offering more private therapies one on one, you know, which would be one child and one professional. Um, so that is our current plan. Thank you. Can I just make a quick comment? that can't foresee what's going to happen in five or ten years. If you look at staff recommendations six and seven, five-year review, ten-year review, that's why we have these review periods to see if there are changing conditions. So that's already in there. So I don't know. I guess I can go. But I have some questions for Catherine. Um, when an applicant comes forward uh, requesting a conditional use permit, how much does the planning process you look at what's been done in the past that may have been in violation of current codes? Um, so this is a good segue in for me to explain that um, this applicant actually came to the county before there were any complaints um, on the property. They came um, seeking the county's information on how to go about the process, um, what to do. Now, granted, it's taken them a while to get to the process, and their use has kind of creeped in before they have gotten through the process. And in the meantime, from initial contact with the county, um, there was a complaint that was turned in in the means, kind of in between the time where uh, they had initially contacted to get the process started, gathering information, and then went ahead and started using the site, kind of jumped the gun a bit. So it wasn't a matter of they were in full-blown use and got and the county came after them. They actually sought the county's help in getting through the process. So there's a little bit of mixed um, communication in that regard. Um, so they did initiate the process themselves. So I just want to make that clear. My second question were just how many complaints have been made about the use on this property? 
according to the county, one complaint has been made. Um, I don't know what the nature of that complaint was, but since the time that they had started using one complaint. And it's true that both for city and county, most enforcement is complaint driven. Correct. So unless yes. there are complaints submitted, the county is not going to go out and look for problems. Is that correct? correct? That's correct. So you have just to touch on a couple of what your recommendations are. Number one is to approve a building permit through Douglas County Zoning and Codes before the conditional use permit is issued. I assume that's for the existing structure. Yes, and since they're going to use it, um, you know, to accommodate people from the public to come to the site, they would need to just make sure they don't need a use change of use permit because um, currently it's a storage building um, for anything else. So they would need to get the applicable applicable permits, whatever those might be, from Douglas County Zoning and Codes. So that that would mean that if the conditional use permit is ultimately um, granted by the county commission. Um, if it's found that the current structure is not in compliance with current county building codes, it would have to be modified. Is that correct? That's right. They would have to bring it up to whatever standards need to be made to do whatever use they are doing in the in the structure. And the same would go for the driveways in Eudora Township. That would be reviewed. And if the driveways are incorrect, they'd have to be corrected. Yes. And just so you know that um, the Township Board has weighed in on the driveways. They do not have an issue with the way the driveway is laid out or the two access points, but they still do need to get that permit to uh, solidify that um, um, process. Yeah, number three is the health department for the portable toilets of so the facilities as one porta potty isn't sufficient. That'll be addressed and have yes, to be and modified to get the permit, correct? That's correct. And that would be part of that building permit process. That would be one of the reviews that would go through that. And I can just go through the rest, but the all of these, we've had this discussion in the past on why uh, conditional use permits contain items that are already required by other parts of the county government permitting process. And that's so that um, the conditional use permit can actually be enforced if there are violations of those particular permitting processes. Am, am I stating that correct? Yes. Okay. So that's why we have so many for this. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and is this land use permitted in this zoning category currently in the county? It is if it has an approved conditional use permit. Okay. So essentially, if anything happened in the past, it's going to be brought up to code if this passes. And it's a permitted use going through this process. So that's, correct. that's where we are with our land use decisions tonight. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, another, I, I, I can go on. There are some things in the letters that, that kind of disturb me a little bit about hunting on properties next door and this wouldn't be safe for children. But um, I have to say as an attorney and all that, you're responsible for where your bullets go. So if you're firing towards somebody's other property, you're responsible for that bullet, where that bullet lands. Yeah, but, but I wonder if there's like a notification. Can, can the applicant speak to that? I mean, are you notified when there's hunting around you? 
Um, so this is a fairly new issue for us. Um, this year especially, I've, I've contacted Nick several times just asking, like, is this normal? Because again, like, I'm not familiar with the area. And so we've, we've done, done more investigating and, and we think we know where it's coming from, but I, I want to continue to ask, like, you know, for other, like, community, like county support to know for sure that the bullets are being shot in a contained area. Um, because I mean, we do have kids on our property. And so uh, there was actually last last fall a couple of times that we we actually rescheduled our sessions because it was hunting season and I just didn't want to even go there and then anytime we see like there's really inclement weather we also reschedule um just because you know we only have that one one shelter so you know we have really understanding families that know like we're trying to keep your kids safe but I also want to do my part in trying to like ensure as much safety as possible when the kids are on the property yeah, it sounds like you probably need to have like open lines of communication with your neighbors, as you've as you've said you want, you know, because I I do more of that the better, safer for everybody. Yeah, and I'm not going to sit here and try and make excuses, but I am a mother of four children. Three of them are teenagers, and I'm running my business in Olathe, and and so it just it is a time thing, and I just I do need to make time for it, and. And we purchased the property during the pandemic when people weren't doing face-to-face -face communication. It just, like, I, I, again, yes, I, I would like to have more face-to-face -face conversations because, again, I want the support um, around our program. And one more question for Catherine. What are the notice requirements for a CUP in the county? Um, I believe it's quarter mile. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Becky or Jeff. It's either a quarter mile or half mile for the county items. It's a half mile. Half mile. Thank you. Your knowledge were those notice requirements met? Yes. Okay. Ready to go? If you have more to go, go. <laughs> oh, let's somebody right. else go. Anyone else? Right. Charlie. I, I would say what I see here, I think, is fairly typical of of what happens at times. Miss um, Novacek, I will say. Uh, I think your comment that it wasn't miscommunication on your part, it was simply lack of communication. So here are our neighbors who moved out to this place that is an agricultural area. And then word gets out where there's some kind of camp going in here. Something's happening. We don't know. We are going to, we see cars coming down here. I would, I would say that's where the, tension arises and this is not to put blame on anyone i heard travis say to start out i'm i'm not against uh, therapy i'm not against kids getting out in the, the woods and having an experience it, it, it is it, it was just taken by surprise it just happened and only one set of neighbors the closest ones the south drive and the north drive kind of met and they could see and that was easy but we've reached a point where it is unusual for neighbors to show up at 20 minutes to 10 at night and say we're concerned about what's going on here um, I, I would really encourage you to make contact the other thing is, uh, those of us who live on gravel roads, dust, dust is an issue, whether, 
whether it is one car or that darn farmer down the road that's driving back and forth and stir, stirring things up. Uh, I, I, I've had to pay for dust palliative on the, the road, but that may be, and I heard you say it, but that may be an offer you need to make and really talk about what is going to happen on that property. Uh, the shed got moved in beforehand and people are going, what is this? What's going on? So I, I would hope that communication, whatever happens with the CUP, would occur and it's probably going to have to be initiated by, by you and, and here a dozen people, <coughs> ten people sitting here tonight uh, that care about their area, that care about their neighborhood, that care about their neighbors. And that's where a lot of tension arises. It, you, you can't put the horse back in the barn after it's already gone, but I would, I would really encourage you to, to reach out, whatever the outcome is, because you own six acres of land out there, along with people who have lived there for years, who, who have a connection with that land. Um, we who live out in the country are an odd lot. <laughs> uh, in a good way, in a good way. Uh, so anyway, that, that's where I think the tension has arisen and you're getting neighbors that come and talk openly and, and I really appreciate that you guys would come and say, yeah. we're concerned. We are concerned about this. It, it affects us and we're worried about what's going to happen. Um, so that's my 15 cents worth. Thank you, Charlie. Yeah. Mike, did you have something? Yeah. Um, trying to come up with the best way to word this. Knowing that some of your clients' children, and, and even calling the children, they're your clients, um, fall on the spectrum and are, are special needs young people. Uh, myself, having served for 10 years on the East Central Kansas Cooperative for Education, the SPED board for Wellsville, Baldwin, and Eudora that provides all the SPED services for the schools there, and having interacted with lots of those kids, what, if anything, do you have in place right now as a just a simple security measure? I, I hear you say you might have four, six, eight kids, two adults. If you turn your back to keep one of them from darting out into the dirt road, because having living in, now I'm, I'm three miles or so from this area, but I know what and I'm going to say the teenagers of that area and some adults do up and down that road, which is drive too fast. What, if anything, uh, do you have in place or are planning on putting in place for that safety? So currently, um, the way that it's set up, the, the parents bring the children down 
pass the park down away from the road. And our, and our hopes was to actually put up a little like picket fence with a gate that would close that only adults would be able to open and close. But we haven't done that yet because we're going through this process. We didn't want to you know, do anything else until we, were, we went through this process. So that's one option. And then we, we spend our, the, the session is two and a half hours. And other than coming up to use the porta potty, which the kids don't even like the porta potty. They think it's disgusting, and so they we have little like potties down below. Like the kids are, we're all down below, so they're not up by the road. And then we have promises, not rules, that the, we really teach the kids that they're to stay with the group, and they know that their parent is to come get them, and they don't just run out into the into the parking lot. And so we feel like with the ratio that we do have, like we can really keep close eye on all of the children. And if there is a child that requires more one-on-one -on -one support, which the mother, Whitney, that spoke, like her child got one-on-one -on -one attention. So we, as professionals, assess that, and we assess how much support each of the kids need when they come to our programs. Okay, and have you at all throughout all this, and I know it's just, as you'd call it, the pilot program, um, have any plans or have you reached out at all to ECKCE? And, and talk to them. This, what what does that stand for? I'm East sorry. Central Cooperative, East Central Kansas Cooperative for Education. It, it provides all of the SPED services for Eudora schools, Baldwin schools, and Wellsville schools, the headquarters in Baldwin. Um, and it just, it might be something to think about in the future. And just curious, like the benefit of reaching out to them. It, they might have resources and resources for you or you might be able to provide a resource for them sure yes just something to think about in the future and again I think we've just kind of right. halted everything at the moment until we have yeah. a plan to move forward whatever that might be all right thank you before you go <laughs> back to the issue of children in this road have you had any discussions with the township or the county about road signage about children at play signs or other specific warning signs to caution people to slow down for this area? So I feel like many neighbors have the, you know, slow down signs um, along the road right there. So we put out our yellow children at play signs. They get blown over all the time. Right. So yes, like need something more, more permanent. Um, because I don't think we're the only ones that are concerned about the speed of cars passing by. I think that's a concern on every gravel road in the county. I'm, I'm guilty of probably going too fast at times, and yeah, I've lived on them in the past. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I know what the dust is. I know what happens on those roads. I know what traffic is on those roads. And I can appreciate all the concerns and, mm -hmm. and also the safety issue because... A lot of those roads just aren't safe because there is very little to no enforcement out there because there's so little traffic. Right. It doesn't justify it. And so that's just like another... signs on the side of the road might be something to look into with the township on how that might be arranged if this goes through. Mm -hmm. And that's just another another thing that we've considered in this whole process of discernment, I'll call it, um, over the past couple of years, just questioning, like, is this safe for children? Like, are we doing the right thing? Is this something where we really want to permanently be there? Um, community support, safety, all the things. And it's definitely been just a journey 
Um, so even being here tonight is part of <laughs> adding to the discernment. Should we stay? Should we go? Like, um, that's kind of where we're at. Well, thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Hayden, Commissioner Duber, Commissioner Munch. Once back around, any other comments, concerns? I guess I have a comment. Yes. Um, I'm a little concerned about the build and then ask, like, I understand that there was some miscommunication, but I, I do see why the neighbors would be concerned that um, that things were built not with appropriate permits and, and then Pretending like that didn't happen, I don't think it makes me uneasy. I'd like to at least recognize that I don't. I don't think that's a um, very neighborly way to begin the process. Um, and then some of the concerns that the neighbors have, I don't really feel like are addressed in the when we talk about how many people or the when we see CUPs. I think I'm new, but I think often we talk about um, time limitations or we talk about capacity limitations, and I don't really see any of that here. And it could be simply that it's just not needed, right? But um, I, I I do just notice a little bit. Um, of, of a lacking of like detail about how the operation would would work and compared to some CUPs that I've seen sure. and their neighbors here that have actually uh, raised those concerns like it maybe be different if there were no concerns raised but um, and then because the neighbors got involved in the process a little um, later rather it be because no they weren't within the notice or because um, of lack of communication just doesn't sit particularly great with me. I love this project. I think it sounds wonderful. I love the idea of getting kids um, out into the rural areas. And probably the neighbors, ultimately, it matches their value system. They live out there for a reason because they love it and they want other people to appreciate it. So having a place like this is actually something very valuable for everybody that lives on that road, probably. Um, but I, I just am a little... Um, <coughs> Not hesitant, I mean, I'm inclined to apply it or to approve it or recommend approval, but I, I just, it makes me, um, I guess I wish that there was a little bit more communication so that the process could have had a more natural um, inclusion of what the actual concerns are and then everybody could leave here happy. <laughs> if that makes, I mean, not, that doesn't happen very often. Like Nobody leaves here happy. But like, at least the like, communication to yeah. where like these are my concerns and they were heard and they um, have somehow been somewhat represented. Since, okay. since we're really dealing more with lack of communication than absolute um, t business that is completely um, not a part of the character of the neighborhood. Yeah. So I don't really know what to do with that or how I'm going to end up voting, but I, I am, those are you the You want to explore either the, the duration or the capacity question with Catherine and how she came up to the recommendations that she made? That'd be great. I'm not really super worried about the 10 years, like, but more about the capacity and the time and the um, daily time frame, right? Um, like mo all seven days of the week or what are the hours of operation that I think I am interested in how that came to be and how that's not really included as a limitation. Mm. Sure. So Catherine. Um, yeah. <laughs> so um, the applicant has described it as currently being a two-day, uh, like two-session times, um, and possibly adding a third day with another two-session times during the summer. Stat, I particularly did not put a time limit on there because 
based on weather and changes in group size, whether it's private or, you know, small groups of four children, those times might change. And due to the small nature of the scope um, of the current plan, um, you know, that's something that could certainly be added. But at this time, you know, having a five-year review and the 10-year expiration gives Douglas County Zoning and Codes an opportunity to make sure that they are not, um, you know, expanding beyond the scope of what they asked for to begin with. That's why I didn't put the uh, capacity or um, the time frame on there because that left it a little bit flexible for them to change their days or change their um, session, two-hour session times to different times. Um, but it could certainly be added as conditions if you deem that necessary. Answer the question? Yeah, yeah, I think it did. I mean, did it make me feel any better about the neighbors not having no. The answer yeah. the only question a, only so. a time machine to do that do, do you do you are you inclined to want to add any conditions at this time i haven't really heard any or any been proposed that i feel like need to be included or, or added to it so okay. i think it's probably just an up or down vote for me okay. thank you one more time around uh, yeah catherine to follow up on that have there been any um well these types of questions, have they come up with other recreational condition use permits in the county and how were they addressed? Well, so this one is a little different. So I think we did have a, a conditional use permit for a soccer facility a few years ago. That yeah, which was never fits built. Yeah, that fits more, but the proposed use fits more cleanly into what is described in the code as an outdoor recreation facility. Um, this is outdoor recreation, but it is not uh, to the level of impact that is typically um, what we would see in that outdoor recreation facility use, as is indicated by the use-specific standards that are in the code that talk about, you know, um, fencing the large parking areas and having um, lighting for game fields directed away from neighboring properties and whether or not concession stands can operate. And this, this use is very low impact outdoor activity um, and it doesn't really rise to any of those levels. So the conditions are completely different than what we would normally see on an outdoor recreation facility. I, I just felt it was worth asking that question since the last county commission meeting that reviewed one of our special event permits came up with that question about why there was very so much variation between different uh, permits and could they be standardized? So I'm sure yeah. staff is now probably watching and listing what's going on. With yes, in fact, uh, the county commission asked um, after that uh, board of county commission meeting for that last special event item if there, um, you know, we had a history of how many um, those type of uses, what were the standard conditions, and have we been carrying them forward? I think staff has. Um, you know, tried to carry standard conditions forward on similar type uses, but the whole nature of a conditional use permit is that they're conditional and they have varying context issues um, for each one. So even though they're similar, there may be some nuances within the conditional use permit request that prompt one or two different varying conditions from the last one. So then that's kind of the nature of a conditional use permit in itself. So. 
Thanks. I mean, this one certainly seems like it's very self-limiting in what its uses can be. There's no request for lights. There's, it's going to be during daytime. It's going to be when kids are available with their parents, which puts limits on it. So it's it's not like an after-hours party joint. It's so, yeah. I can see why you were have trouble comparing this to just about anything else, other than maybe a boy or girl scout camp. And those would even be more use than this. Yeah. Because <clears throat> the camping. Good points. Any other comments around the room? Entertain a motion. Uh, motion. Condition. CUP-23-00081 for an outdoor recreation facility with therapy use located just south of 1128 East 2100 Road, based on the findings outlined in the body of the staff report and forwarding on to the Board of County Commissioners with a recommendation of approval, subject to the conditions listed in the staff report. Is there a second? I'll second. Commissioner Perotto. Comments? I'd say, um, I just um, would say for the record, I think I'm inclined to support it because it is so self-limiting and like some of the concerns that the neighbors have probably are going to just take care of themselves naturally. Um, but I do hope that there'll be better communication back and forth and everybody can make it work for everyone in the neighborhood. And I think that can probably happen because it seems like um, there's, there's an interest in that. Um, so, so I think I'm... Despite my earlier comments, I just wanted to be clear. I, th I think that the, the self-limiting nature of it is um, taking care of it. Um, well said. I couldn't add anything for my comments. I would echo that. And then also any reservations I have, I believe, will be handled as those following conditions are met as the process is followed. Okay. Any other comments? Please call the roll. Commissioner Baroto? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Duvor? Yes. Commissioner Hayden? Yes. Commissioner Kelso? Yes. Commissioner Munch? Yes. Commissioner Rexford? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion passes eight to zero. A heartfelt thanks to all of you who came out tonight um, to uh, share your thoughts and help us uh, work through this topic. Thank you very much for being here. And please share your thoughts with all the different agents, um, county agencies are gonna be involved in this process, so your input is heard at every level of the permitting process. Indeed. With that, we will adjourn the joint meeting with your, your, your Eudora Planning Commission and reconvene the uh, Lawrence Douglas County Municipal Planning Commission meeting. Um, are we okay to get into item three? Anybody need a break? Let's march through. Um, item number three, consider approving a conditional use permit for a vacation rental use located at 1017 East 1600 Road. Kyle Kobe is here to present for us. Kyle? Thank you very much, Kyle Kobe with planning. Um, as was just stated, this conditional use permit application for a vacation rental use at property Address 1017 East 1600 Road. The subject property is zoned CP, Cluster Preservation District, and the existing use of the property is a detached dwelling. 
as are all surrounding properties, uh, though the subject property also abuts AG2 transitional agricultural district, district zoning as well. No vis physical changes to the property are proposed with this application. The existing structure complies with the setback standards. The parking requirements for vacation rental uses is two parking spaces per dwelling unit. Uh, since there's just one dwelling unit, the parking requirement is two spaces and a sufficient amount of spaces are provided on the site. The applicant has indicated that only the residential structure on the eastern portion of the property would be used for the vacation rental use. They've also indicated that the property owners directly adjacent to the north will serve as property managers when the owners are away. Several conditions of approval are shown in your staff report for this item. These conditions were taken from the most recent vacation rental use uh, CUP application and are the same as were approved by the Board of County Commissioners for that item. Planning staff is recommending approval of CUP-23-00078 to allow a vacation rental use at 1017 East 1600 Road based on the findings of fact found in the body of the staff report and subject to the conditions listed in the staff report. This concludes my presentation. I am available to answer questions. I believe the applicant is present in the room. Kyle, thank you. Are the Kellys here by chance? Would you like to come up and say anything? Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, we just want to thank you all for being here. Um, I sat on a zoning board in, in Jefferson County, and I understand the nature of what you all do, so thank you. Um, Secondly, we just are applying to do this so that I can seek some more treatment. As we travel for treatment, then we can supplement our income by renting out our property. So that's kind of that in a nutshell. We've got some great neighbors to the north who are going to help us in this endeavor. Um, this is our primary residence, so it's very important to us that we have lots of safeguards in place. Um, and I, I think that's basically it in a nutshell. If you have any questions, please, please ask away. Thank you. We'll come back to you. Thank you. Is there any public comment on this item? Anyone from the public here to uh, speak to this item? I don't see anyone in the room. Is there anyone online? Nobody online. All right. And just by practice, we come back for the applicant, but I think you're probably there. Yep. All right. <laughs> let's, bring, let's bring that back to the commission for discussion. Quick, Is there a uh, quick question for the applicant? Yes. Come back up. It was too bad we had to have you sit down. That's all right. Um, first, I'm, I'm glad to see this as your primary residence and that you, that you live on the property that this yes, is going to be. You've had an opportunity to review all the staff recommended conditions. Yes. Is there, do, you have, do you see any issues there for you? None. None. Thanks. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Thank you. You're welcome. Yes. Question for uh, Kyle. Um, hey, Kyle. So, uh, if let's say that you know there's a gathering of um, I don't know maybe tens of people, uh, is there a requirement to notify the neighbors that you know there's going to be increased traffic? Is, is that even possible to have you know ten people there or more people? Like, are are there any limitations on what can be done at the property? Um, I think that in the case of um, tens of people or some kind of outdoor gathering or something, that sounds like uh, Carl's here so he can answer this better than me. That might be something that would trigger a, like a special event permit of some kind. I, I could oh, be yeah. wrong about that. But okay. as far as occupancy limits, I think that would be kind of just the uh, – I know that the applicant has a, a limit that they're proposing. It would be based on bedrooms, something of that nature. 
I don't know if that's there's an upper limit in the regulations for this just because we we don't have those just yet. I know that with the previous one, we kind of talked about an, uh, a limit, but ultimately that got removed um, for a variety of reasons. So we didn't include it on this one. Okay. Yeah, please. So I submitted, I tried to get a um, our contract that we're gonna use with our renters ginned up for you this morning. Pretty rough, but I, I did submit that before 10 a.m. this morning, and it does have a firm occupancy limit of seven people, three children, four adults. That's kind of how our house is laid out, and that's what it will fit, and so it's it's just never going to be a party house. And, and you're aware that if it's, if there is a case where there's more people that you have to notify the neighbors and there's a, there's a, requir a county requirement to do that, you're aware of that, Absolutely, right? Absolutely, but okay. we, that's just not even something that we're going to entertain. Okay. <clears throat> this is just a, a vacation rental. It's not uh, for events or weddings or, and it, it adheres to the firm seven adults, or se excuse me, four adults maximum, three, three children maximum. Thank you. You're welcome. Wait, and you're currently, you said your next door neighbor is going to help. Yes, sir. Manage the property when you're not present. <clears throat> that we share a common driveway. So if there is a violation of your contract, they would be empowered to enforce. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Cool. Other comments? Questions? Commissioner Munch? Yeah, just, just a general comment, but I, I just want to say that I appreciate the, that the applicant is going through the proper channels to have the setup and approved, because I can imagine there are other folks in the county that, that don't go through this trouble and, and aren't here on a Monday night, making sure that they're doing this the right way. So just, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Can I add something to that? Yes, please. Yeah, we, we are also very jealous of your, we, we visited the location. It's very pretty, so. Yeah, gorgeous place. Very nice. Anything else? Or around the table? Our time making the comment about the long list of staff recommendations and the reason that those are there just for new people and for the county commission reminder. Those make those enforceable under the conditional use permit regulations while so violation of other county code can trigger enforcement actions and possible revocation of the CUP. Oops. Because that question has come up before, why is there so much in here? Yeah, That's right. the reason. Great point. <clears throat> Thank you, Commissioner Carpenter. No other comments? Entertain a motion? Anyone? I can do it. Yeah. All right. Nobody else. You've become the motion guy. <laughs> Pass the torch. <laughs> uh, approve the conditional use permit CUP-23-00078 for a vacation rental use and forward to the Board of County Commissioners with a recommendation for approval based on the findings of fact found in the body of the staff report and subject to the conditions listed in the staff report. Second. I will second. Mr. Kelso, discussion? Jeff, please call the vote. Commissioner Barotto? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Duvor? Yes. Commissioner Hayden? Yes. Commissioner Kelso? Yes. Commissioner Munch? Yes. Commissioner Rexrode? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion passes eight to zero. Best of luck to both of you. Thank you so much. 
All right, on to our last item tonight. Anybody need a break before we go? Nope. <laughs> We're going to recess five minutes. We're going to take a quick five minutes, sorry. Quick five. Use it. And for something completely different comes a request to rezone approximately 20 acres located at 1121 North 100 Road from AG1 to AG2. And Mary Miller is the planner. Mary? Thank you, and I will be sharing my screen again. Just real quick. And as you mentioned, this is a rezoning request uh, for about 20 acres from Ag1, or the... Um, Agricultural District to Ag 2, Transitional Agriculture. The subject property is located in the southeast corner. It's actually located at 1121 North 100 Road. It's about one mile north of Franklin County line and about one and a half miles west of Highway 59. It's outlined in green. This is a, the parent parcel. The rezoning request is for the west 20 acres to go to the Ag 2. Uh, this is not within the urban growth area of any city, and it's not within the um, three-mile planning area of Baldwin City, which you can see to the right in blue. The proposal is to rezone the western 20 acres so it can be divided into two parcels for residential development as shown. And the applicant provided a narrative of the proposed rezoning and use, which was included with the staff report. The rezoning would allow the division of the 40-acre parcel into three parcels. With the current Ag 1 zoning, the property could be divided into two parcels, 20 acre minimum each, uh, through the Agricultural Subdivision Boundary Survey, which is an exemption to the subregs. One of the zoning review criteria is the um, zoning and land use of nearby properties. As you can see, the um, surrounding properties are zoned Ag 1 primarily. There is some Ag 2 to the north and to the south. Predominant uses in the area are agriculture, detached dwellings, and woodlands. The proposed rezoning would increase the Ag 2 zoning and residential uses in the area south of North 100 Road. We look at the compliance with the character of the area, and again, we look at about one mile from the subject property. And this map that I'm pointing to kind of shows the density and the current land divisions in this different quadrants of this area. North of North 100 Road, we have quite a few smaller parcels, especially near North 100 Road and up to the Northwest. And other small parcels are primarily to the South along and near North 1 Road, which is the Franklin County line. The proposed land division would continue the development along East 1100 Road, but it would also introduce smaller parcels into this quadrant of the area, which currently has fewer and larger parcels than the other quadrants. The figures on the right show the current land use of the property. One is just an aerial and the other is from the Douglas County Appraiser's Office. The areas that are highlighted in yellow have um, residential uses. Everything highlighted in purple are classified as agricultural use. So the majority of the area in the southeastern quadrant is agriculture. 
This table is from the staff report and it shows the um, number of parcels and their sizes in each quadrant. Um, the southeast quadrant does have the fewer parcels and it does have the largest number of parcels that are 40 acres and above. In staff's opinion, the rezoning and residential development may alter the character of the area. Another criteria that we review is the compliance with the comprehensive plan recommendations. Uh, we look at chapter two, natural resources. Uh, we want recommends we protect high quality agricultural soils and also we protect contiguous amount of agricultural land. Um, high quality agricultural soils are identified in the comprehensive plan as class one and class two soils. And approximately 25% of the property contains class two soils. And I'll have a graphic showing that later, but the majority of this is located on the Eastern side of the parcel, which is not included in the rezoning request. In chapter three, growth management, it recommends you protect the rural character. Um, and the action steps for that is to minimize agricultural land conversion to non-agricultural uses, and that we maintain working lands and high quality agricultural soils. Since the creation of the two agricultural districts in 2020, the Ag 1 and Ag 2, uh, five rezonings from Ag 1 to Ag 2 have been processed. Two of these were special cases in that the rezoning allowed a land division but did not increase the density above what would have been possible with the Ag 1 zoning. Um, I think there were six. I'm sorry, I said five, but I think there were six. One rezoning request was denied and two were approved. And this recommendation to minimize agricultural land conversion uh, was considered in all the rezoning requests with the note that the plan recommends that the conversion of agricultural land be minimized, but not necessarily prohibited. And with that, the properties were reviewed for compatibility with the surrounding area, as well as the suitability for agricultural uses. Properties that were of an infill nature, that is, they were adjacent to other Ag 2 zoned parcels and were seen as just filling in that district, were seen as more acceptable for rezoning rather than properties that were in large contiguous areas of Ag 1 zoning or that extended the Ag 2 district into the Ag 1 district. This shows the uh, parcel size in the southeastern quadrant. As you can see, many of the acres, the properties along um, the north side are nearly 40 acres. We do have the smaller parcels along the road to the west, and then we have the very large parcels. <clears throat> in staff's opinion, this rezoning <clears throat> and land division would not be considered infill and would be out of keeping with the development pattern of the surrounding area. Therefore, it would not meet the criteria for minimizing the conversion of agricultural land to non-agricultural uses. And this criteria is something that we're developing as we review rezoning requests. So it's possible we may refine that criteria now, um, but we're just basing it off of the criteria that we've been using with the previous rezoning applications. Other factors we look at is what is the suitability of the property? Uh, the uses in both districts are basically the same, so the property is well suited to uses in both zoning districts. The property is not vacant. Uh, it was developed to the residents in 1997. The western 20 acres that are the subject of this rezoning have never been developed. The rezoning would allow the creation of two additional residential parcels in the area. Without the rezoning, it would be possible to divide the property into two 20-acre parcels for one additional residential parcel. <laughs> 
And the applicant noted they would like to divide into two 10-acre parcels so their sons could live on the property. The new residences would take access from North 100 Road and East 1100 Road. Both are local roads maintained by Willow Springs Township. Willow Springs Township did not provide any comments on the rezoning, so I don't think the amount of traffic is expected to create any detrimental impacts on the transportation, and no detrimental impacts in nearby properties are anticipated from the rezoning. And then we look at what would be the gain to the public if the rezoning request was denied versus what is the hardship on the applicant. If the rezoning application is denied, the land use pattern of larger parcels south of North 100 Road would be maintained, which would help maintain the character of the area. The hardship the denial would impose on the property owner is that his children cannot build on separate 10-acre parcels. With the current Ag 1 zoning, the land could be divided into two 20-acre parcels through the Agricultural Subdivision Boundary Survey exemption. In addition, an accessory dwelling unit could be constructed on each residential parcel as long as it has a minimum of six acres outside the floodplain. That provides a criteria in Section 12-306-1 of the zoning regulations are met. And then we look at the impact on environmentally sensitive lands. And the uh, property does contain mature trees, which could be considered a native woodland. Uh, the comprehensive plan refers to native woodlands, which would primarily be woodlands that have native species. Um, it also has class two soils, primarily on the eastern side of the property. It would be possible to protect the environmentally sensitive lands with either rezoning, and uh, even with the land division that's being proposed, if the rezoning is approved and the western side of the property is divided, it would be divided through a certificate of survey. And one of the requirements is that the environmentally sensitive lands would be placed outside the building envelope so that it would not be possible to build in the woodland or on the class two soils. And then we look at the agricultural suitability and um, the LISA system that has been in the process for a while was discussed earlier. Um, it's not completed, so we can't get a score as far as what would be the level of protection we'd like to see on these, but we kind of look at the parameters and the criteria that were being developed with the LISA. Um, this shows the class two soils in orange, and as I mentioned, most of it is on the east side. That's not the subject of the property. I'm sorry, the subject of the rezoning. We look at the farmland classifications. A prime farmland is basically where the class two soils are. The blue area is farmland of statewide importance. And then the red area is farmland that is not prime or statewide importance farmland. Um, the farmland that is statewide importance does contain that large woodland. So there are constraints to agricultural even in that area. And this graphic shows the constraints. There's about 11 and a half acres of uh, the woodland. Uh, we aren't using any of the border areas. Those look like they're mostly just um, smaller, perhaps evergreen trees. So the assumption is this would probably be the majority of the native woodland. And then the house, the uh, yard, and the driveway would also be not suitable for agriculture. So um, with the amount that's not agriculturally suited, about 65% of the site would be suited and about 95% of the entire site has um, either prime farmland or farmland of statewide importance. Based on that information, um, over half the property is well suited and available for agricultural purposes. Dividing the property to create two additional residential parcels would reduce the area available for agriculture. Staff's recommendation is to forward the rezoning request to the Board of County Commissioners with a recommendation for 
I'm sorry, it says approval, but it uh, should say denial. I guess it's very seldom that we recommend denial, but that should say denial, and I apologize for that. Uh, we recommend denial of the rezoning request based on the factors that the rezoning would alter the character of the area. It would utilize agricultural land that appears to be well-suited for agriculture and would not minimize the conversion of agricultural land to non-agricultural uses. Uh, the applicant is present today. Um, he's in the audience, I believe, and I'll be happy to answer questions if you have any for me. Thank you, Mary. I think the Grococks are here. Cock, you have uh, 10 minutes to... Let me see if I can get this to work now. Sorry, Denny. Oh, there we go. I don't know who did that, but that was pretty cool. <laughs> Wait, did I do that? <laughs> Her with me here. Does that thing move? I'm not moving it. Somebody else is. <laughs> Her? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. He's magic. <laughs> it's been a long night. I will try to get through 30 years in 10 minutes. Uh, so my wife Michelle. I'm Brad. Um, we got the report on Thursday. Had a chance to read through it, and we're going to kind of fill in some of the blanks. That don't show up from satellite visit, uh, images and so on and so forth. So um, I thought this was going to work. Not working. I need a, uh... OK, it's moving on its own again. There we go. Nope, go back. I can go back one. Hey, nope, that's back two. There we go. Okay. And part of what we're going to be talking about is not just the land, but the people. Um, Thank you for taking the time to hear us. I know it's late, I'll try to get through all this. I think it's important to note, when we purchased this land, um, we're not natives to Douglas County, but we've been here for about 40, 50 years. We purchased the land, um, we purchased it for people that were out of state. They didn't, they rarely visited it. They tried to extract everything they could from the land. They had no interest in the property. We were the antithesis of that. Uh, we wanted to create a place we would stay forever and have legacy and hand down. And even though I wish we could still buy land in Douglas County for what we paid for it then, it was all we could do to bootstrap that and get it. But we found this 40 acres and you know that, that was big for us. Um, but we had good models for this. We come from farming background. It's Northern Indiana, Southern Michigan, Southwest Michigan. Um, you're seeing a photo of five generations. That's on our porch. And I think the important thing there was, this is what we, we grew up with. And that wonderful lady in the middle is my grandmother. In that photo, she's 98. She now lives in the home she built with my grandfather the, the year I was born, 1964, on our farm. That's the, what you see on the right with the little dot. That's in Elkhart, Indiana. That's on our land. We used to farm 450 acres. And this has been reduced down to 30. There's also, as you can see, I-80, the Indiana Tollway, they ran right through the middle of it in the 50s. That's when we got out of farming as a family. The point I'm sharing this with you is we've had that background in, in what we wanted to accomplish. My grandmother lives in that house by herself, and the only reason she does that is because she's got, in two of those houses, two of her sons. My youngest cousin, her grandson, lives right behind her. Her great-nephew lives right next door. They don't drive to see her. I don't know if that's carrying. They don't drive to see her. My voice is typically loud. They walk over multiple times a day. That's how she stays at home, how she ages in place. We wanted to create that for our family. Again, 20-year-olds, they're actually the same age we were 
when we moved to Douglas County. And my question is, how do we accomplish this? How do, how do we make this work in 2023 for my family here? When we moved here and or bought the land in 1993 and then later built, we were very, very busy building a life, building careers, building a business. I worked out of this house with my corporation for 20 plus years, virtual before pandemic. Um, raising kids, raising crops, raising the livestock, and then the rules changed, and we were caught off guard, frankly. I became aware of the 2040 plan back when there was the town halls going around. I got to know Tanya Voigt pretty well. I went to a lot of those, and I found it very informative. I learned a lot of stuff that I didn't know, and I realized, number one, we'd, we'd missed our, our window. Uh, to divide this back when you could divide it for five acres, 10 acres, and not raise a fuss. Um, I also learned that a big part of the 2040 plan is tied to aging in place. Interestingly, it's mostly about urban. And it raises the question for us, what, what about us rural folks? How do we age in place? It's a different set of parameters and requirements. I also learned very early on that, and it's, it, it's right up front, it's only page three, it didn't take me long to get to it. My granddad taught me the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. I wish we'd done this 20 years ago. Next best time is right now. So, after going to some other meetings, we started getting involved. There's wind, there's turbines, there's everything going on in our county. We'd been here for 30 years with this land, but these were some of the first meetings with some of the first times we really became exposed to the 2040 plan. So I, I saw Tanya at a meeting. I asked her and she said, yeah, let's get this ball rolling. I met with Mary on the 9th of February and here I am on the 24th. My wife is busy taking care of grandkids and everything at home for us. Thankfully she's here today. I saw the report on Thursday and I understand where it's coming from. I've read the plan. Not as many times as probably you have, but I've read the plan. But it struck me, it struck me kind of interesting because the division as you see it here, the, the 20 acres with two 10 acres, we have two sons, two families there involved. One of them is an army veteran, he's just gotten out of the military, his wife is at K-State, she's wanting to be a veterinarian, they have horses. It's be a nice setup for her, they can't afford 10 acres in Douglas County. Uh, my other son's a single parent with three kids, that's what my wife does a lot of too. And I learned a lot of terms, I'm, I'd never been exposed to infill. The thing that I found interesting in, in this, and when you look at the character, you see pictures in the, in the report. Um, when we bought the land, there's a, there's a picture, a 1937 aerial photo of our property, and it's mentioned a couple times in the report that you see. When we bought the land in 1993, the person we, who sold it to us was very proud of himself. He had gotten the mineral rights sold. He had gotten you know, people doing cropping for us. He'd also sold the logging rights. He, he logged the living out of that property. There's ruts up to above between my knee and my waist where the trucks came in to pull the logs out. It took me a lot of time to clean that up. He was very proud that he got 11 grand for it. I was sad to inform him I would have paid him probably double just to leave the trees there. What happened with that is it, it blew up our canopy. The woods there, the upper canopy of those old growth trees, the root system on the, the trees below that don't support the winds that we get on that property. In fact, Case State out there, my brother-in-law just happens to teach for, uh, forestry at University of New Hampshire. We've walked the land many times, and it's, it's, it, the, the woods, they are native, they are older growth. There's still 20 and 30 foot trees, but they're falling over. So when we got this report, we looked at the character of the area, and we started saying to ourselves, what, you know, what's changing about it? 
we read properties that were of an infill nature, that is, they were adjacent to AG2, zone parcels were seen as more acceptable or rezoning. Thought, okay, great. Well, our pro proposed selection is adjacent to AG2 properties, just to the south of us and across the street to the north. And if we can somehow rezone our property, Southeast Quadrant will still have the fewest 10 to 20 acre parcels, unless my math is wrong, and it would still have the most 40 and above parcels. I guess what I'm saying is that the character would change. Yes, there'd be two new, two new houses there, it'd be our sons, they grew up there. But I also think it would also add to the other thing we're talking about, it'll allow us to age in place. <clears throat> when we purchased this land, we purchased 40 acres. The portion that could be worked, as I've divided here on the, the image you can see here, is really about 20 acres. Yeah, there are trees. There's areas that uh, have been uh, terraced. They're wet most of the year. Um, the area we're trying to rezone is actually about seven acres of, of ag, ag land, land that could be farmed. In the 30 years, when I, I worked in agri-marketing for 30 plus years. I also worked in the vertical integrated food channels Farm to table, basically. All of which is to say, the data, in 30 years, there's nobody been from USDA that's taken core samples. I got on the phone with the USDA, the NRCS. I'm waiting to hear back from Jeremy at the Soil Conservation here in Douglas County. But the reality of this land, I, I qualify it as poor, but not because of what you see on soils. So actually, if you take our National Commodity Crop Production Index, it's about the same average for the whole entire um, county. The difference is that's based on large-scale crop, commodity crop production. We don't do that. We raise hogs. We have orchard. We bale small bale hay. And that's what feeds into the 2040 plan of local foodstuffs. Commodity crop, dent corn goes a lot of different places, but it typically doesn't stay necessarily in Douglas County. We raise hay, we have a lot of things that contribute to the local restaurants in Lawrence that use our, our meat. So when we look at this, the whole area is 20, but we need, the thing about small scale farming it is very, very, very labor intensive. Uh, I can still work a full day, I like to work a full day, but it takes a long, that day is a lot longer for me now. So when we look at these seven acres, the houses can be sited on portions that are gonna be insignificant to how it impacts. I know I'm running out of time here, so I'm gonna wrap this up. Um, again, the inputs, I think I shared with some of the co uh, commissioners in a conversation this very thing, that the fertilizer costs for hay are such that I can't even turn a profit until I sell 300 bales. That when we had other people trying to crop the land for us or hay the land for us, what they were willing to give for us was just a fraction of what insurance liability coverage was. We have to work this land ourselves, and or not. And so we're here basically saying, given that the 2040 plan says that we want to age in place, we're, we, we don't know how we can make that work for us. We need to have families that can help us work this land. Small-scale farming involves feet on the ground, hands in the dirt, and lots of manual labor. I've got grandkids, I've got kids that can help me with that. They already do, they help feed the hogs, they help do all that. So I guess what I'm asking is, 
just resigning request. We're not developers. We don't want neighbors. Thank you, baby. Um, I do need to ask you to wrap up. I'm sorry. Uh, yes, yeah. I see that. I'm sorry. I can talk all day, but I won't. Um, we want to figure out how we can have this transition to the stewardship that we taught our kids to our future generations. We want this to be a legacy. And we need your help to do that. How do we age in place? How do we keep this farmland? We're not wanting to turn it into a development. Thank you, Mr. Grocock. Thank you. <laughs> Is there anyone here from the public that's here to speak on this item tonight? Please. Hi, my name's uh, Malin Strom. I live at 83 East 1100 Road, so I'm immediately across uh, the road to the west of the proposed uh, housing. And I'm asking you to deny the rezoning request. Um, and I'm not here to say that the Grococks are not fine people or raised great kids. I'm just here to say that the land in question does not meet the criteria for Ag 2. Uh, Ag 2 is supposed to retain the rural character and it's supposed to be land not well suited for agriculture. Uh, this, uh, the proposed housing will, will alter the rural character and to me it's pretty clear it is well suited for agriculture. It was formerly in hay production, could be hay again, it could be easily be grazed, could be cropped I suppose, but that wouldn't be my first choice. Um, Briefly, I support farmland preservation and the existing zoning regulations, and I don't see anything particularly unique about this situation. I don't see how to make this exception without making 100 more. In a few years' time, the regulations will be gutted. We've already had neighbors carve out farmland for family member to build on. Kids lived there a few years and then moved on. The land was permanently taken out of agriculture, converted to housing, and is no longer owned by the family. There are other residential lots in the neighborhood already available. Traffic will increase on an already over-traveled East 1100 road, it's which is the most heavily traveled road in uh, Willow Springs Township. Um, and when I say we're the ones who will be most directly affected by that, I mean including the Grococks. Their house is oriented in the opposite direction, and you saw that there's a good bit of woods separating them from the proposed housing. We, on the other hand, are in a 150-year-old house, that's, which means that it's near the road, and we're directly across from where they're going to be. So the effect on us will be daily, uh, negative and significant. Um, on our place, we've gone exactly the opposite direction. I consolidated acres and worked hard to keep it in agriculture. We moved out there on 20 acres. I bought the surrounding 60 and worked to get every bit of it back into agricultural production. A lot of it was fallow ground. Every bit of it's being used now. On our place, our kids actually expressed some interest in building a house on our land. I was not in favor of it. We didn't do it. Subsequently, they've relocated, got new jobs. If they had built there, it would have been exactly like our neighbors. would no longer be in the family, would no longer be in agriculture. Um, summary, we did not move to the country expecting to end up in a suburb or a housing development. We had what I consider to be reasonable expectations that the area would retain its rural character. County zoning regulations support this expectation. So I ask that you not deviate from the county's stated goal and that you deny this rezoning request. Thank you, sir. Anyone else speak? Yes, sir. Please. 
know most of you know me. I've been here many times, and my name is Tim Horn. I live on 1137 North 100 Road. I'm right to the east of uh, Brad and Michelle. Known them for 30 years. When we purchased our properties, that land was nothing but rock and sand. When they were trying to produce crops on it, they were producing maybe 50 to 100 bushel beans on it. They had row cropped it and eroded it so bad, we have worked long and hard to put it back to grass and to make it better property. That is not crop ground. That is been rejuvenated but yet it's still underneath six inches there's nothing but junk underneath there and you can come out and dig in my place anytime you want to because I can show you but I think it's okay to allow families to try to be families and to produce family farms if they can. I mean, yeah, you're talking peanuts compared to most family farms, some farmers we know. I mean, all of us know them, got two, 3,000 acres, but most of us can't afford to do that. So with the economy and the price of property in this county, young people can't move to the rural areas. It's overburdening our towns and our cities. Um, I've got a friend, another friend that has duplexes, he can't build enough of them in town to keep rented because nobody can afford to go out into the country. You're talking maybe 1% that can actually afford to move to the country as when we did. We purchased our ground in 96. I give $725 an acre for that property in 96. You're not talking that many years ago. Now it's worth 10,000 plus. It's ridiculous. So, you know, youth does not have a chance. And I've known the family of many years. They they're not doing this for profit. They're not wanting to divide it to make money to sell the pieces. They're wanting to produce young families in the area to take over and to help out and make a better, stronger community. And we've got a really good, <clears throat> sorry, been here a long time. We got a really strong community out there. Um, we're in a lot of, uh, I've met a lot of my neighbors 20 miles from me in the last year. And, uh, Got good ones. <laughs> Got good neighbors that's uh, 40 miles away too. But you know, so uh, let's you know consider this because they're not doing it for profit. They're doing it for family. And uh, if it was for profit, I probably wouldn't support it. But I know better. It's not for profit. It's for their family, and that's what they're trying to preserve and everything. So thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Is there anyone online, Drew? Nope, no one online. No one else in the room? Mr. Grocock, we uh, traditionally, uh, by rules, allow you to uh, answer any comments that were made by um, the public. Do you have anything you want to say before we take it back to the commission? No, I do not, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there's, there's one thing I, 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 I would like to say. <laughs> I got, I got the You've heard two neighbors opposing views. 
-hmm. And I respect both of them. I don't agree with both of them, but I respect both of them. The point is, I think on anything, there's a, we're the ones paying the taxes, we're the ones bleeding for that 40 acres. At any other time, I can't imagine that we've negatively impacted any of our neighbors. I've shared and talked much like we heard in the prior uh, three items, agenda items. I met with all my neighbors. I met with Robbie about this. We've helped each other out as neighbors. I'm sorry that my neighbor to the west sees it differently than me, but this is our property and it is our family. If you look at the rest of the property there, they've all divided for family. We're not, based on the criteria that, as I understood it, we're next to AG2 property already. If it's infill, it's straight to the north. It's a straight line of infill. I don't know how small-scale farms survive in Douglas County if we can't accommodate the succession, the generational legacy. If not, you're basically telling us that we need to find a different place to live. I'm almost 60 years old. I had my hair replaced in November. My sons drive to come over. My wife will be up tomorrow morning at five to drive into town to take care of our grandkids where they could be on our property. That's what we're looking for. I'm not trying to paint an ugly picture. We chose this. We also screwed up and didn't come earlier. We've been here for 30 years. Just Foods has received thousands of pounds of our produce that feed thousands of people. That will end if we can't continue that. That's small-scale farming. It doesn't show up on a USDA, Silbyville, Loam Slope 7% graded soil chart. It shows up with neighbors and it shows up in the community. So. Yeah, I'm pleading with you. I, I, I think we would like to stay here forever. But we need to be able to find a way in Douglas County to accommodate the small-scale farmer. I've seen what large scales like, and it's, it's wonderful. I worked with John Deere, Pioneer Seeds, AgVenture Seeds, DeLaval Milking. I worked with Whole Foods, Horizon Dairy. That scale doesn't work in Douglas County. So if agriculture is important, the biggest area of agriculture that has to be addressed is small scale, because that goes directly to the restaurants and to the grocery stores. And it takes, unfortunately, labor. I can't find people to bail that are high schoolers wanting to go out for football. I do have a six-year-old granddaughter that can drive a tractor now while I walk behind it. That's a wonderful thing, and do the picking up. That's what we're here for tonight. I understand the criteria. I understand, I believe, the tools you have. We won't go into Lisa or anything else that might have been applicable here. But I do implore upon you to look at this. And if you can't help us in this situation, at least point us, how do we get to stay on our land? If indeed on page three and on page 46, aging in place, is that only important for Lawrence and the urban areas? Or is it also important in the rural areas? And I need to know how that would work because I want to stay here. That's all. It's late. I know everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. And back to the commission.
So I have a question. Mary, would you pull up that slide that shows the Lisa output for that property? I guess I've got it here as well. Um, had an opportunity to walk that 20 acres over the weekend. And in doing that, the area that's marked 7601, how is that? How does Lisa rate that soil? Well, we don't actually have a Lisa established yet. And one of the um, goals of the Lisa was to come up with some of that productivity. You know, when we look at 7601 on my graphic here is just shown as statewide importance, but I didn't put the productivity levels in here since we don't really have any data in order to rate them. But okay. that was one of, the, one of the goals is that we would uh, ground truth the property so, and work so with agricultural experts and find out what is considered good productivity, medium, low. All right. So there's, there's really no data back behind this that we could use to make a decision. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yes. Based on the fact that the Lisa is not okay. yet established, we don't, it's all subjective. You can see what they call the farmland and what they call this soil classifications and the constraints. Those are pretty simple to look at, but we can't look at the productivity and make any judgments on that. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Uh, I just so you know, I, I I asked about that particular area um, because as we walked around in, in that particular part of that twenty acres, um, it was hard pan and sandstone. Yeah. I mean, the the topsoil was gone. There was it was down to sandstone. Um, so that's what made me curious about that. And I misunderstood. I thought this data represented some factual information about it, but but, but like we talked about in other other. Uh, no data. All right, so I just wanted to get clarity on that. Yes. Um, my wife was a uh, an English teacher, and she would she and I disagreed on lots of things. She'd go down the row and say, "You either have your paper on my desk when I walk by, or it's late. I'm not taking it." And that's what it seems like tonight. When, when is the time, what is the date that we switched where Brad and Michelle could have um, said, hey, we're gonna split this into two tens, four fives. What, what was the date? Jeff. <laughs> Hoping Mary has the date because I don't have it off the top of my head, but I would suspect it would be the date that the county adopted the latest zoning regulations. But I may have that wrong. Mary, is that not the moment? That's right. In 2006, they passed the new subrace, which got rid of the five acre exemption when you could have just divided it into five right. or 10 acre parcels. In 2020, the new zoning regulations put in zoning so that you could still do a certificate of survey, but you had to rezone first. That way we could evaluate. We were getting a lot of certificates of survey and dividing a lot of land. And um, so they wanted to be more determinate about where is it going to be? Does it fit the criteria? So rezoning was added. You can still do it. It just has to be rezoned first. 
I, there is, and, and I agree with you, there is no guarantee that 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now that your kids are going to stay on that property. Um, but what a noble thing. To Some of us were talking about it earlier. In Douglas County, that 700 a dollar an acre land doesn't exist. Now for your kids to, to buy that 10 acres from you, if you were to sell it that 20 off, you're talking a couple hundred thousand dollars at least for that land. And what we have said is, it, in one part, we want you to age in place. We want you to um, I guess have your family there and yet here is somebody who is saying we've been here for 30 years over 30 years now and I, I, I am I am torn because on the one hand I say I have to look at character of, of the area. And we're going to face lots of issues about character of an area. But when I hear you talk about family, my grandparents lived with us. We had my mother-in-law live a place for my mother-in-law to live with us so we could take care of her. And now we have a regulation that we, we have in part instituted that says you can't have your kids there with you and your grandkids on that property. And that breaks my heart. It truly does. Uh, I disagreed with my wife when <laughs> she'd walk down the row, walk by a kid and he didn't have his paper right then, she'd say, tough luck. I, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that person that says, tough luck, Michelle. Tough luck, Brad. You should have you done this two years ago. Boy, how stupid were you? What was wrong with you? But in essence, that's what the the... the the rules say, and I would hope that we as a commission <clears throat> could look at individuals and make some, what I consider, more appropriate ruling. The, f the, the, the small farm is going to go away. It's going to go away through taxes. It's going to go away through something if we don't give people that live and have bled blood sweat and tears out on that land if we can't help them i i it's hard for me to be a part of that uh, thank you charlie is a, is a solution to build more houses on the small farm, taking up more land out of the possibility of being farmed. Are you giving Charlie Thomas the right to make 
decisions? No, I'm asking. I'm asking you a question. <laughs> I mean, is I, what I <clears throat> what I'm dealing with is two people who are standing, sitting here before us. I know that have made a request to have their kids and grandkids be there when maybe it'll never happen to you, but it happens to me, where you said that day is longer to get the same amount of stuff done. I see that as noble. I see that as something that I would like to promote. And can we do it within the regulations? I would hope. I would hope we can. So, Jim, other than, other than to say Brad and Michelle are sitting right here, I can't speak to everybody in the, in the county. I can't speak to every situation. Well, <clears throat> what we're hearing here is, is things that touch me very deeply about the small farm and family. I mean, many families build additions on their houses for grandparents or have family members move into their existing house or, their, or, or have families that live next door or nearby in existing homes and move and go short distances in between. Um, we have a land co development code that we have to look at and it really doesn't address this type of issue. I have to agree with you. It does not address this type of issue because that is not a land use plan. Uh, and that's considered in our code. What it is, is it's a family dynamic, small farm issue that isn't reflected in the land development code. And I really feel that, and I understand the conflicts. I mean, I feel the conflicts. I want to just say, do what you want. But we have a code, and which leads me to Mary, is there any way to accommodate additional structures on this property without rezoning it? Yes, yes there is. They can divide into two 20-acre parcels through that agricultural subdivision boundary survey. Each parcel could have a residence, and each parcel could have an accessory dwelling unit, which is the provision put in the county code to allow aging in place. People wanted family members to be able to live close, but it doesn't allow the property to be divided so it could be resold. You just have to have at least six acres if you have rural water. You have to have 10 acres if you have well water. And um, each each structure would have to have their own septic system. Those are those requirements, but um, it would be possible. Uh, we want people to be able to age in place and to have the ability to have your family or farm helpers, you know, farm employees, can live in these um, structures. So that would be a way to get what they want. And uh, it, there is a size limitation on the accessory dwelling units. So I believe it's 1,000 square feet or 1,400 provided it's not more than 80% the size of the principal building. So you can go up to 1,400 square feet with an accessory dwelling unit. So there is an alternate path to have two new, two other household on that property without rezoning it. Yes. Yes. Could you get a variance on the size? You could request one, and I don't believe Carl's here anymore. You know, you, they have the same criteria that our Board of Zoning Appeals does, so you can always request it, and it's completely up to the board if they feel the criteria are met, but yes, that's something you could request a variance from. 
A question for the Grocox. Were, were you aware of that path, the ability to divide into? Look, so the, the question was asked, is there, a, is there a path for you to, to get at what right. you want without rezoning? And the answer was, um, from Mary's perspective, yes, you can. You can divide into two 20s, and then you could build a house and an ADU. There's rules around the size of that. Were you aware of that as a path? I was, I was aware of it in not quite that much detail. Hmm. I think the biggest concern we had when that was presented to me was... Um, you know, one of my one of my sons has three kids already, and the, at the time, the girl he was dating had a kid. So there's two adults and four kids, and which house do they go into? I think my wife, who you've heard from, would probably have something to say about giving up our home. I don't know when the exact timing of this will happen. Again, I have a, a daughter-in-law that's going to be a veterinarian. I don't think she's getting out of school tomorrow. Yeah. Um, there is need for large animal vets in our part of the country as well. I hadn't, we had to answer your question in a very roundabout way, but now directly, I had, we hadn't considered that. This was when I went and met with Mary on February 9th. Yeah. This is what we deduced as being the best prospect, knowing full well that we missed our window. There's no grandfathering in, but at the same time, I don't think we're alone in this proposition. When I look at other neighbors and small farmers, how do we stay in business farming without the labor, without yeah. the generational? And how do we age in place? We definitely don't want to try to solve for all of the others oh, I know. who might want to do the same thing Just you're doing. I'm not sure us. that serves right. your, your, yeah. your, your ask. But um, now that you've heard that uh, and you've been given three seconds to think about it, um, how does that strike? Is that, is that a path that you would want to go and consider or explore? Ex yeah. I, would, I would like to, ex I, I wouldn't be opposed to exploring it, but. <sighs> so instead of building, so instead of building two, you know, two things, we could build three. Or four. Because we could build two she sheds, big she sheds, and a big house. Yep. Yeah, that's what we're hearing. Accessory right. dwelling units Accessory are dwelling coming units. into style to deal with just the type of issue that you're <laughs> Okay. Yeah, they're just Bringing not up. big enough, so maybe put two of them side by side. Or you ask for a variance. Yeah. You could ask I, I, I get, and those are the questions that would come up yeah. versus this proposal. Knowing both of our sons, knowing, I mean, I went, to, I went to KU to be an architect for three and a half years. I know a little bit about, I built that, you know, I designed the house we're living in right now. That's why my wife's, because she had a lot of input on it, kind of reluctant just to give it up, but... The siding, you know, interesting that, and those of you who walk that land, there's going to be no agricultural land lost. Agricultural land that currently could be pasture. And Tim's right. The hard pan's there. We've been letting it lay fallow. We've been slowly trying to bring it back. That's going to take decades for any kind of crop or anything more than hay. And the hay's pretty weak when it comes to baling. But that said, regarding the houses, we could put one house and it wouldn't even touch pasture it's in the trees we planted we planted over a thousand trees on our property we fed a lot of deer with those saplings but we planted thousands of trees all the pines all the red cedars that have encroached all the maples all the sycamores those are us those aren't native to those areas so i would see putting the trees would be on the northern edge or trees putting the house would be on the northern edge so it has a southern exposure so it's un it's unfair to ask you to try to puzzle all this through standing here 
tonight. Well, thank you. My, <laughs> it is my mind spinning. Well, well, my, my so my, my I guess the question that I'm I'm wondering to myself is: Is there a path to defer this item for um, some period of time to let you think about these other options that now are a little bit have a little bit more clarity, rather than ask us to make an up or a down vote today and see if that path works for you? I'm just going to say if there's an up and down vote today applying the code, you already stated in your presentation what you felt the answer was going to be. So I, and I'm looking for alternative paths to deal with these issues you brought up that our code doesn't, isn't specifically designed to address. But there are options built into the code that allow other possibilities, which if I feel you haven't had the opportunity to adequately explore. Well, and, and it would, it would I, I don't want to be a vote that shuts a door on you until you've had the opportunity to explore all those options. So although they're very, very rare, and they usually only happen when we get to 11 or 12 or 1 <laughs> o'clock in the morning at a planning commission meeting, I would entertain um, a motion to defer this to allow you to explore alternate paths and what those would mean for you and your family before you come before this board for an up or down recommendation of approval or denial. Well, when and you have it like that, Mr. Carpenter, yeah, I think we probably should think about it that way. I can only speak for myself. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, when you met with Mary, I, I think she, she guided you that this was the best possibility. Well, this is the easiest course to look at through the code, because what Mary's talking about is putting into effect things that aren't used all that option, but they exist. Mm -hmm. So to be fair, you know, I don't think Mary led you down the wrong path. We're not saying it just it read it just reached this conclusion that it doesn't comply with the current code as it's written. But if there are options that allow you to accomplish the same thing without rezoning, I would encourage you to explore those more in depth. And, and based on what I heard shortly here is that an ADU has limitations that could be applied for variance you have to meet the need and which, acreage. Which is dependent on the size of the main house. So those are things, numbers you would have to run by uh, Mary about just what's possible okay. on, on the size properties that would be accomplished through this other option she just mentioned. And okay. if you found yourself going down a different path and not rezoning and splitting and, and going that route, and if at some point in the future life brought challenges to that, the opportunity to come back and ask for that yep. would be present. Is still is still there. Well, I, I still have to split it into two twenties to do. Yes. Well, that's that's what to look at. Yeah. All those you still have to split it into two twenties and have a main house and then a. ADU on that or and an ADU right yeah it keeps, on, keeps yeah. everybody whole on code and you could think about where you drew the line on how you split but it just there's there's so many things out there for you to maybe consider to explore this okay um, and rather than keep everybody up here to well, we'll stay yeah. we'll stay as long as well we can't this is, there's not nothing more important than this right now yeah there's no way we can accomplish this tonight because because yeah. these are major <laughs> major land decisions it's existential for us that really have a lot to do with you mm -hmm. and we can't 
I mean, we're, we always end up using our judgment, which sure. often is contrary to the judgment of the yeah. people that get up and speak, but it's always based on the code. But we, we, I don't think we've explored all the code options. Okay. Well, and clearly I'm not aware of those code options. So and it, you know, it's unusual. Usually we put that on the applicant, but <laughs> usually the applicants aren't the small-scale farmer. Yeah, Brainstorm small a little bit here. Owner. Commissioner Duber. I was going to say, suddenly I've, find having, out the staff report, there's another option. <laughs> having walked your land with you, mm -hmm. um, I don't think adding to whatever we end up calling them changes the nature of the neighborhood. It seems like it's in, you know, so I just want to state that, that I agree with what you're saying as far as it, it seems to be a place where there are smaller lots. Right. So um, I, you know, anyway, I just wanted to say that. Well, well and, and to say that, that adding family is going to change the character of the neighborhood when the whole character of a rural neighborhood is built around family. Yeah. And but for the code, after having seen their land and, and understanding what their plans are, I can't, I would be a, an absolute fast yes, but for the code. But if there's a way that you can accomplish this and still maintain everything, it's, it's worth exploring. Okay, I keep walking back, but I guess the question is, I don't, you guys deal with this way more than I do. What's next then if we decide to defer? Talk to Mary. That's a okay. great question. <laughs> and and um, so, so Jeff, can we can we lean on you for just a minute? What kind of advocacy yeah. can someone like Mr. Grocock uh, uh, expect? Um, what kind of a lot of times when someone comes to us, they have engineers and architects and um, five-figure um, support. Mm -hmm. How can we support uh, an individual? Usually when we have these pre-application meetings, we have these discussions, we ask what is that intent, what is the, the goal that you're looking to get to, and then we try to figure out all the different code avenues that are a way to get to that spot. And so we do that analysis, we kind of do, not like a full staff report like you have before you this evening necessarily, but you know, these are the process routes that are potentially there. Kind of try to line those out for everybody because... Not very many people read code like, like planners read code all day long. And so we try to make it as easy and as approachable as possible. But yeah, you reach out to staff. We could definitely help you go through the processes and go through, you know, this is the pros and the cons on, on every one of those different steps in there. So you have all that information and then you can say, this is the best way forward for us or this is the one we want to pursue because we think this is a good outcome. And we're always available to help you on those fronts. Okay, that's fair. And, and to be fair, Mary was helpful at that February 9th meeting. Carl mentioned this ADU thing, but we didn't explore it simply because we didn't know what it meant. I didn't, I was the one at the meeting, I didn't know what it meant. And truthfully, this was decided as probably the best approach given the codes. Yeah, But sure. So, yeah, I would think, again, back me up or turn me around. And this is easy to happen when people don't all speak the same language sitting around the same table. Yeah, sure. People make Absolutely. assumptions on what the other person is asking. And so some, it was brought up to you about another option, but you didn't latch onto it, so it didn't go any farther. So now you have that option. It's, it's open. It's here. <laughs> We're suggesting it be looked at by staff and everyone else. So you're going to get some help in exploring other options. Sounds like a plan. Without, do, without, without going contrary to the current code. So I appreciate you being willing to think about that. Whatever you do, don't give up on your yeah. your dream. And what well, you thank you. I mean, that's that's we've got to step forward, and that's the main thing. I'd accept a motion to. Uh, oh, I, 
Before I do, before anything you, else we want to talk about? I was just going to say thank you for your presentation about the this is what we want, how do we accomplish that? I think that was really helpful in framing our, and helping us frame the discussion instead of just simply um, a lot of what we hear. Like it, it really, I think, was very beneficial. So thank you for that presentation and the uniqueness of your situation and what you're trying to do. Jeff, before there's a motion, could you just explain the rules regarding deferrals by the Planning Commission? Uh, you do have in your bylaws the ability to defer an item for further study and information, and you can put either, you know, a time limit, like, you know, you want it back at the next available meeting, or you can give it a little bit of an indefinite one to let the applicants go through processes that, you know, may take more time. So if you'd like to defer it, you don't have to give a date, but it would be assumed that it would be, a, you know, some date in the near future that it would return to you if, if it chooses to return to you. So, you know, it sounds like best practice would be to set a date, but it would be the motion could say how long out and that could just come back with an update or if there's any modification to the request, could, which could result in another deferral if necessary, correct? Correct. It could also end where uh, a different route is chosen and the applicant chooses to withdraw that application and pursue a different route and that would be, that would be the end of that application. Okay. Sh shouldn't, we, shouldn't this be based on what the applicant wants? I mean, maybe the applicant doesn't want to defer, maybe they want to reconsider. I mean, what, what, right? Is that a we, fair? We have, we can. Oh, we, we, we decide. Defer. Oh, right. yeah, but what does the applicant want? Do they, does the applicant well, want? Well, that's what we've talked him through in the, the I, I He wants to defer. I think that that was the suggestion. I, I can confirm. We, want, we would, based on what we've heard here tonight, we both think that's probably the best approach. To defer? Just getting what we need. Okay. And for you guys staying within the codes that have been established. Well, I'm, I'm trying to set it up. We're asking for it because we don't usually do deferrals as a request to the applicant. Um, but if we set it out, if you set it out for a specific time, yeah. and if it's not ready, it won't come back. There'll be a. It and could be a I'm just saying, if he gets what he wants, he's not going to have to rezone. Yeah, we're not saying yes or no tonight. Right. Right. He just has the option to pursue not, it if he doesn't get what he wants. We're not setting down any. Right. Sure. Sure. Tonight. Sure. Understood. Yeah. Understood. And and the other the other thing is, if we set it, if you set it for like three months. Right things are going to have to happen and decisions will be made it won't be indefinite sure and it gives the applicant the option they can withdraw their current application submit a new application right. whatever it felt best to bring it back or just come back with new information right. for the commission to consider at the time sure if we don't set a date on that if we don't put a requirement of a date we lose it you lose track of things also, at some point, it doesn't become a deferral. It becomes a different kind of a problem that you have, which is the indefinite deferral, which is almost like a de facto denial. Yeah. So you have to, you do have to usually set some parameters around a deferral, or at least some expectation of around a deferral for that one. But it, you can lengthen that time limit out for some time to allow for that study and review. So it doesn't have to be next immediate meeting in all. I just want to make sure that. We're asking them to go through it. You made a comment, try to make it as easy, code as easy as possible. Those two words really just don't go together. <laughs> um, and they might need 
some time as they get into it. I just I don't want I don't want us to set a date that that they run up against and all of a sudden they're in a jam. That's then, my only concern. Then you just grant another deferral. This this is commonly used in the courts. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with something that. out. I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure that that's understood. Right. It's basically a review hearing. It doesn't make a decision. What will be made? Fully, anyway. fully get it. I want to make sure that they they know that they don't have a an absolute countdown timer running. There is the option too, if the, you grant a deferral tonight on this application, they can request deferrals to allow for additional time while it's still in reviewing and processing. So just because you grant it and set a date, they may not be ready. So they can ask for deferral so that you know still lengthens it out. So they have adequate time to go through those reviews and, and, and do what they want to do as part of that. So it's not that it, you set a date for 90 days, it immediately comes back. If, if they're not ready, we would not bring it back. Given all this, Mr. Carpenter, uh -huh. I, I don't, I make, don't make motions. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that was an option. <laughs> like I, I'm just not making any. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, this is easy. I move that we defer this matter for uh, three months. Uh, to give the applicant the opportunity to explore with staff other opportunities under the code to accomplish their. Um, stated desires. I second. Motion second discussion. It, if Brad and Michelle um, decide to do what we have said, uh, put an ADU on their 20, they're gonna, their choice would be either to come back to us and say, I'm coming back and we're asking for the same thing. Mm -hmm. That would be one choice. The other is, <clears throat> pardon me, <clears throat> to split off that 20, which they could do. We're, we're splitting off that 20. Then we're out of it. Then they can right. go to zoning and build a house and an ADU there, or just build an ADU on their property, or an ADU on both properties. So it may be that they would never choose to come back. It might be. Unless they'd said, we want to come back and have you guys make a decision. That might be the case. So, and one more is there might be options, I mean, items in the discussion that do require that those items come back. Okay. So there's lots there's lots of variables here. Okay. I think this I think this is a good yeah. approach. I think that is a reasonable approach. Yeah. Any other discussion? Yep. Commissioner Munch, any other discussion? Please. <laughs> Commissioner Baroto? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Duvar? Yes. Commissioner Hayden? Yes. Commissioner Kelso? Yes. Commissioner Munch? Yes. Commissioner Rexrode? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion passes 8 to 0. Very, very good work tonight. Thank you yeah, all good. so very much. Um, we're going to recess until uh, Wednesday at the April 26th meeting. Thank you all. Thanks for being here. It's a wrap. It's not even Tuesday yet. Are we in recess or do we adjourn? We need a, a motion to recess. Okay. What's a motion to recess? I move that we mm, we recess until Wednesday, April 26th. This close. This close. April what day? Um, 26. 26. Yeah, 26 yeah. at 6:30. Motion second. Uh, Commissioner Baroto? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Duvor? Yes. Commissioner Hayden? Yes. Commissioner Kelso? Yes. Commissioner Munch?
Yes. Commissioner Rexford? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion passes eight to zero. So close.